just landed at the Friday Five podcast. Here are your hosts, Brent and Rex. All right, guys, welcome to the 19th episode of the Friday Five podcast. I'm here along with Rex. Hey, guys. And we have a fun episode today. Um, we're also excited about the 20th episode coming up next week. I can't believe there's been 20, honestly. But. Yeah, it's it's going to be really fun, and I've prepared something for for you. Uh, so it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I might rope in someone else I got to join you. us. All right, all right. So, Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. I, I thought you were talking about something else. <laughs> what do you think I was talking I don't, about? I don't know. <laughs> I, was, I was talking about... Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay, oh, okay. Yeah. But um, we... I learned before we went on the air, we do have a caller. Yes. Um, unknown number? I mean, unknown I number. Okay. I don't, I'm not too sure who this is. So but. let's, um, let's take our caller here. Okay. And, um, hello? You know who it is. <laughs> is that the dove? Yep, it's me. Man, wh- where are you now? I am in Cocoa, Florida. Yeah, but, but what part of, like, what where where are you at in Cocoa, Florida? Are you at a house? Are you at Hooters? Where are you at? Well, no, I I've not been to Hooters. There is this bar down the way that I actually went to for the first time the other day. Okay, which is interesting. I got me a T-shirt. A T-shirt? Did they shoot it out of a cannon? <laughs> no, they didn't shoot it out of a cannon. But uh, I had to retrieve it with my teeth. <laughs> The dove, you're having a wild time, sir. So how long how long have you been there? Like a couple of days, huh? Yeah, it's been about four days now. How do you like it? Oh, it's great. It's so hot. Oh, is it? It never cools off. Yeah, like, like it was ninety one uh, degrees yesterday. Yeah, the high eighties I saw. Yeah. Dang. Well besides besides the strip joints, what else have you found in, in Cocoa, Florida that you've enjoyed? That's what they're known for, but still. I mean, I, I got my hair cut. It was, uh, it only cost me $10. So there's this little barbershop I guess I'm going to start going to now. And people are real friendly here, too. Really? Well, good. Like, it's strange. Like, I always think they're up to something. Well, they've probably heard the show. Well, maybe so. But, like, I had a dude in the stall next to me in the bathroom at Walmart trying to have a conversation with me. How did that go? Break the ice. So I'm sitting there and I'm. I pull up and pull out, and I'm doing my business, and I had to pee like nobody's business. And that old man in that stall next to me is like, boy, it sure sounds like you were holding it a long time. Wait, you you sit down to pee? No, I didn't sit down to <laughs> pee. I said I pulled up and pulled out. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. But he, he just had to make a comment about how long I was peeing. I'm like, that's awfully strange. You're well hydrated, boy. Did, was it was it longer than Tom Hanks in uh, a league of their own? Probably <laughs> kidney stone, doesn't he? Or something? Yeah, he ends up having a kidney yeah. stone, but he pees for like forever in one. Yeah, scene. when he finally like passes. I mean, the it stone. probably I probably peed for about fifteen seconds. <laughs> okay. Well, other other than making a friend in a bathroom <laughs> and going to a strip club, what what's the best meal you've had in Florida? I made some gumbo yesterday. They don't know how to eat gumbo here. They put tomatoes in it, like tomato sauce. Okay. Mm. And there's no okra in it. I'm like, y'all are screwing it up. 
Well, so I had to show them how it's done. Are you on the job hunt? Oh, I got a job. That, the, the strip club. The second day I was here, I had a job. That's where you where, got the shirt. It was just, where did you uh, where did you get a job? At that bar. <laughs> Doing what? Wait, wait, wait. Was the shirt you got your uniform? employee shirt? Yeah. No, no, I bought this shirt. Oh, how much was that? Like twenty bucks. Thanks. So what are you doing? I am what they call a uh, dancer, a floor host, which is just like a bouncer. Oh. oh, well, you make sure to wash your hands when you get home every day. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. I see where that where them women have been. Okay, <laughs> don't know what that means. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's great hearing from you, and we can't wait to uh, please do call in every once in a while. Right. Well, y'all just y'all kind of record at the same time most days, don't you? Yeah, yeah, around the same time, unless something uh, earth shattering happens. Well, you know, I'll call in. Yeah. Well, just especially uh, now that I'm not all worn out from that damn fourteen hour drive. <laughs> yeah. Did you uh, Did you get behind the wheel? Hell no. You don't have your license, do you, kid? Well, no, not yet. Not up here. I don't. They got all kinds of crazy going on. Okay, but you've had your license, yeah. like before. He, yeah, he just hasn't renewed his license. Oh, okay. I was about to say, how'd you get the job? ID, huh? Photo ID. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I got a. I, that was the first thing I got here in Florida. What? Like, I became a Florida resident, and I went and voted. Didn't know what the fuck I was voting for. <laughs> Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Should Donald Duck put pants on? Um, I, I wrote myself in as governor. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait a minute! Wait a minute. Did a you use your world. legal name or did you put the dove? I used my legal name. Oh, uh, okay, uh, all right. I didn't think about it in hindsight, but the dove for governor would have been pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, how are you going to get to work? I think that's well, kind of what Brent was wondering. My friend Chelsea. Okay. Whom I, whom I am living with. Oh, okay. Also works there. Oh, okay. All right. She a floor bouncer too? No, <laughs> she's a bouncer. She's a bouncer, but she's she's bouncing on the pole. <laughs> All right. Well, look. Let's get here on there. <laughs> no. no, we're not turning this into Howard Stern. Okay. okay. All right. Um. All right. Well, be safe down there and teach him how to uh, make gumbo. Okay. I will. And look, I might I might have Johnny's for you here uh, in a couple of days. How about that? Oh, <laughs> that sure does sound nice. All right, Dove. Well, be be safe and uh, don't uh, don't get in trouble down there. And please, please be safe at the at the strip club. A lot of crazy <laughs> stuff happens. It's a classy one. They don't even call it a strip club. They call it a cabaret. Oh, oh, nice. Oh, that's very nice. That does it's sound classy. That's upscale. Sounds fancy. Well, Dove, do you have anything you want to say to uh to the audience before you go? Uh, yeah. Um, turns out that me liking food cooked in foil ain't such a good idea. They say you can get all kinds of nasty stuff in your food from the aluminum. So maybe y'all don't take my advice and eat too much food cooked in foil. <laughs> I think that's great advice. That's a great. I think. I think you should have told us that when we played the game of uh, top, the high five questions, like, if life's a game, what are some of the rules? I think you should have put that. 
Yeah, don't rules. eat food cooked in fall because y'all get Alzheimer's. Mm. My grandma I got a has... chicken coop in the backyard. Excuse me? I got a chicken coop in the backyard full of damn chickens. Okay, you what? just now find this out or something? Or you just, <laughs> no, you, but you, I you just showboating. No, I like to think you just walked outside and saw this. You're like, <laughs> I got chickens out here. No, I'm showboating. I got about 18 chickens and two ducks. Wow. And one dove. See, and one dove, yeah. They love me. Do I come in there at the food? All them hens crowd around me? Are you talking about the, at your job? No, I wish that's how it worked at my job. <laughs> yeah, they told me I can't have any relations with anybody I work with, or I'll get fired. Well, is it worth it? Don't ask, don't tell. Not really. Hmm. All right. Well, well, good luck to you, and we'll catch up soon. All right, bud. All right, I'll see y'all. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, it uh, never fails to uh, to impress. Never. <laughs> Well, let me ask you this. How was how was your Halloween? It was really good. I saw you dressed up. Yeah, Forrest Gump. My wife was Jenny. She Jenny. <laughs> and uh, one of my friends said, are you speaking in the Forrest Gump um, voice? <laughs> and I said, no. And he goes, well, is your wife ODing on heroin? I said, no. Because <laughs> apparently Jenny, ha- I think she died of AIDS. What did, what did Jenny die from? I thought it was drugs also. I, I don't. I didn't think it was AIDS. I think I think she was sharing needles. Okay. Well, maybe that... I, I don't remember. I haven't seen Forrest Gump in a while. Now, you you were a specific version of Forrest yeah, Gump. Yeah, I was Forrest Gump when he was running across... I was running <laughs> across the U.S. I don't know if we could do that nowadays. Run across the U.S.? No, make the voice. <laughs> oh. Well, you just tell people, this is my Forrest Gump yeah, impersonation, it, it's an Im- and, you're, and you're good. It's an impression from a movie. Yeah. Yeah. So... But anyways, it was a it was a lot of fun. A bouncy house collapsed on some kids. Oh, good! I was a part of that. <laughs> um, always wanted just to dive in one, but you know, what a bouncy house! You wanted to dive into it? Sure. I mean, have you? I've never got to do that as a kid, and I, I never got to. I, I never experienced the bouncy house as a kid. You've never been in a bouncy house? I haven't. Never. Okay, so. You and I are in the same age. You got five years until you're 40. Yes. Make me a promise that you will be in a bouncy house by the time you... By the time I'm 40? Yeah. I'll probably be paying for the bouncy house afterwards, but... You got to get in there. (laughs) Either that or for your 40th, you should make a list of things that you haven't done. Okay. Like small things, not big things like you haven't been to Rome or anything like that. A bucket list at 40. Yeah. (laughs) And just be like, well, I've never watched The Godfather. I guess I'll sit down and watch that today. That's how I like Jenna. Yeah. <laughs> You're like Daniel Day Lewis of Halloween costumes. You stay in character. Um, um the butcher. Yeah, so good. Ours was good too. This is the first year we actually took Harrison, my son, trick or treating. Yeah. Nice. So we uh we put him in his Elliot from E. T. outfit and bike and he had his mini E. T. on the front. Perfect. And I we, saw uh, pictures, he was really cute. Yeah, we took off and um we had like two people say, no, what is he supposed to be? I'm like, have you, Losers. Have you ever seen a movie? I mean, come on. Yeah. You know. uh, get, get a life. We went up to one guy who obviously wasn't prepared for trick-or-treaters, and he gave us two bucks. So I was like, all right. <laughs> Wait a minute. A trick-or-treater gave you $2? No, he wasn't a prepared house. for any uh, trick-or-treaters, I guess. Although he had like, he had decorations. So he we're knew like, it was coming. Yeah. If a house has decorations, we assume that they're they're ready to rock here. 
Yeah. But he came up to the door. He was like, hey, trick or treat. <laughs> he just reached in his pocket, got his wallet, and started fanning out bills. I'm like, all right. <laughs> but what if that's his thing? It might, oh, it might be. I don't know. What if that was his shtick where it's like toothbrushes and, yeah. you know, just lollipops and then this guy's handing out singles? Yeah. Yeah. It might be. Dove's taking care of singles now. He's Gosh. a work, he's a working man. He's a workhorse. But, well, look, you came up with a really good idea for today's episode. Mm. Um, I, we haven't really done anything to this extent. I think we touched on this a little bit. Um, yeah. But go ahead and tell everybody what we're going to do today. You and I both love music. So what we're going to do is a top five of our favorite albums in the past 20 years. So 1998 to 2018. That's 20 years. Yes, that is 20 years. 98 was kind of a big year for me as far as music went Mm -hmm. you know i grew up in a house a a really conservative household which there's nothing wrong with that i'm not Mm -mm. i'm not downing it but we didn't really i wasn't really exposed to a lot of music growing up yeah it was very limited to you know christian music and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and i really started getting into the radio probably around 97 98 and that's you know where i got a lot of my music from so you would at our house it was my dad was 98 rocks and uh the rebel rocker 99x yeah uh which is like alternative but he was more into uh white snake and dokken and hair metal mm-hmm. and my mom was more krmd and uh like 94.5 stuff. Uh, not not uh, KVKI, stuff like that. KVKI was our local... Uh, like a like soft rock. Light rock. Yeah, like Michael Bolton. Phil Collins, 24-7. Yeah. So it was uh, it was really good. I got a little, little dose of it all. And then, like you said, around 98, 99 is when I started, like, you know, growing up. I'm, you know, 15... And I'm hanging out with my buds and they're, you know, oh man, did you hear the new Smashing Pumpkins record? Yeah. It's like, no. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I got a little little of that in school too, but I mean, you have to remember, you know, and we, I, I keep forgetting stuff like this. We didn't have any way to just jump on the net and jump on Spotify and yeah, yeah, yeah. browse. You, it was you like- had to sit and wait uh, for the radio to play something decent. And now they don't play anything decent. Well, and even then, I mean, the majority of what they played wasn't stuff that I necessarily listen to now. Yeah. Um, you weren't going to hear a lot of, you know, Oasis or U2 or mm-hmm. even Smashing Pumpkins, really, unless they had a new album out and they had a big single. I remember um, I remember in like 96, I was in the car. I was in the – I was with my dad and we were listening to 99X and they played uh, Tonight Tonight. That, Smashing Pumpkins. That and, was probably the most played one, it seems. That in like 1979 or... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was like the first time I was like, oh man, there's something besides, you know, Whitney Houston and Michael Bolton. You <laughs> Honestly, this, this is as far back as I can remember as far as when I first heard music. Like mm-hmm. music that I was like... Okay, that's cool. You know, yeah, this different. isn't this isn't the typical stuff I'm only allowed to listen to. I can I can remember where I heard it, and it was during of all places a David Copperfield magic show. 
Mm. He used to play Phil Collins, uh, Aerosmith, Bon Jovi All right. during his shows because he would pretty much – his choreography would be to the music, mm-hmm. his, um, his tricks. Yeah. That's where I kind of got introduced to a lot of music because unless your parents are telling you about it, yeah, you're not really going to know. Yeah. Um, so that's, that, that's kind of a weird place, but, um, yeah, it's kind of cool to have that moment where you're like, okay, <laughs> there's more out there. Yeah. Let's talk about music because one of our things here is, you know, pop culture, movies, music, TV, and we haven't really touched on music besides soundtracks. And that was kind of a, a mesh between movies and music. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be fun counting down. Well, let's, let's tell everyone what what you brought today and what I what I broke out a couple days ago started looking through again I brought my case of 200 plus CDs that I carried around what's the brand of that because that's the same one I have I'm trying to case logic case logic yeah yeah <laughs> they were like the mini briefcases you would get from yeah. like Best Buy or Target and- mm-hmm. absolutely Walmart yeah. Back in the day. And um, it's just stock full of CDs that I've accumulated over the years. I can't remember. Uh, I think the last CD I did buy was either Kiss Greatest Hits <laughs> or, oh, Tom, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers uh, Anthology. Like, their greatest hits. I've had it before. Yeah. And then like I couldn't find it. No, I couldn't find it. So I bought it again for like five bucks. I was like, well, you and I used to go up to Best Buy like once a week mm-hmm. and just browse the music section. Tuesdays to- when everything was released. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'd always come out with something. Yes. It's either you would hear something or. Yeah, um, it was it was always a trip and it was always a, a money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I got mine out, too. And just, you know, it's it's fun to look through it because you forget. Even though it wasn't that long ago, you know, mm-hmm. times where you'd be driving down the road and you'd want to switch CDs and you'd be struggling trying to <laughs> unzip the pouch and flip yeah. and like, oh, and then you find the CD you want or that this, the case is built where you slide the CD cover in front. Yeah. And sometimes the CD is not behind that one. Yeah. The CD is behind, <laughs> you know, uh, like I said, Kiss or somebody like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's always cool, and it was fun browsing through yours too. Yeah, it's a, uh, and like I told you, a couple of days ago, or I don't know when, but sometimes I'll just bust it out, and I'm like, okay, well, I want to listen to this. So I think I might on top right now is uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers Californication. Yeah, and I'll probably listen to that on the way home. Nice that or uh, Ron Adams, uh, Jacksonville City Nights. I was thinking about this a couple of days ago when I was I was driving somewhere. We have a CD player in our car because mm-hmm. they, I don't even think they come with some vehicles now. I, I don't know. My I mean, wife this, doesn't have one. This is a 2016, so I don't know. But um, we've never used it. I've never put anything in the CD player, which um, it's kind of sad. I don't know. I might I might start taking my case with me. My wife, uh, we bought a 2015 2016 Jeep Cherokee, and that does not have. A CD player. It has Bluetooth. Yeah, and then I she gifted me her Jeep, man, Commander or something like that. But uh, it has a like six disc CD player. Oh, yeah. oh, it has the bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm like, oh man, I got I'm loading this thing down. <laughs> I do remember the one in my old. Uh, I had a Ford Escort. That's like the yeah. first car I ever bought. Yeah, the black one. Yeah, right out of high school, pretty much. But um, I remember the CDs would get really hot. Mm-hmm. Like, 
you know, you like while you were driving, you would pop it out and the thing would be hot. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't pretty sure that was a design flaw, but I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, they recalled that. Yeah. 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 It was risky. But anyways, let's uh, let's kick off the list. Like you said, we're each listing five of our favorite albums. Correct. From the last 20 years. And I think this should be a lot of fun. So do you want to kick this one off? Uh, sure. Okay. It, it's like it, it's like you opened the book of Ecclesiastes over here. I'm looking at your notes. <laughs> it's actually Deuteronomy. Oh, okay, perfect. Uh, so let's uh, kick it off with your first pick. So my first pick is Josh Ritter, The Historical Conquest of Josh Ritter. It came out in 2007. I love Josh Ritter. I like his first record, Animal Wars. I've heard you. Oh, no, not Animal Wars, Animal Years. I've heard you mention Animal Something before. Yes. Yeah. Great album cover, too. Yeah. But Girl in the War, it's a great track, great record. But this one's my favorite of his. Um, Why I love this album, it's a weird story. Okay. So I'm going to launch into that. Perfect. Uh, Me and a girl just broke up, and I wanted. (laughs) Uh oh. <laughs> and I wanted to get my stuff back. Care about her. No, I don't. <laughs> no. Go ahead. Uh, but she didn't want to give me my items back. And it was stuff like a watch. Okay. Watch. Um, for, for those of you who can't see, I'm mouthing out names and he's saying yes or no. But, anyways, go ahead. Uh, stuff that she had in mind was a watch, my It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia DVD set. Oh. Um, I'd be mad. A couple albums, like vinyl records. Yeah. And one of them was Band of Horses, Infinite Arms, which I almost put. I had that on my list. I swear to God, I did. Uh, The one with Funeral, right? No, that was was something. Is that the one after? Okay. That was the one before. Before? Okay, okay, okay. That's the one I I, can't remember. That's the one I almost had. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it was factory sealed, original pressing, never got it back. You never got it back? No, I had to go buy a new one. Let's ask her. (laughs) (laughs) Pass. That's pretty messed up. But anyways, so I tried to get my stuff back and uh, it just never worked out. And then finally we agreed on a time in the the night that, uh, that I could swing by and get my stuff. And she told me... Did a cop come with you? No. Okay. Should have. <laughs> um, she told me that my stuff would be sitting outside her doorway. Good and part of town? Or- downtown. Oh. So... Sat out there for about 30 seconds. <laughs> so, you know, and she didn't want to see me. And, you know, she thought I was trying to, you know, get back with her. And that's the reason I was trying to get my stuff back was to see her again kind of deal. Yeah. It's uh, a good plan. It was a George Costanza plan. I had many of them, <laughs> but I wasn't trying to get. I wasn't trying to get back with her. What was that? Was that George who ac- accidentally leaves something at somebody's house? Or? He would accidentally leave something, or he would steal something. That's right. Okay. Okay. Like he stole some girl's like clock, <laughs> yeah. and left his hat, his okay. Russian hat. That's it. That's it. Uh, <laughs> so the day came, and uh, it was time to pick up my stuff. Well, I was online, uh, like. 
com. Yeah. And I saw Josh Ruger was playing the Granada. World Wide Web. Yes. Yeah. I saw Josh Ruder was playing the Granada, which is a fantastic venue in Dallas. Dallas yeah. And I was like, well, I got a bunch of friends that live in Dallas. My brother lives in Dallas. I was like, I was like 26. I was like, buy the tickets, take the ride type deal. Yeah. So I just straight up drove by myself over to Dallas to see the show. And I bumped into a lot of people. And he played a lot of music from Historical Conquest. Mm. And it just hit me. Like at the point where I was in my... When I was in that point of my life, like mm-hmm. it fits so perfectly with what was going on, what, you know, everything. Yeah. So that album really spoke to me and it's just really fantastic. I'm just picturing what? I'm picturing you weeping in the crowd. No, no weeping. Everybody's kind of uncomfortable and no weeping. Okay. No. All right. Uh, but it was a great album yeah. and it was a great night. Uh, and it was just something I needed, I guess you could say. And albums hit you like that. And I wrote down some uh, uh, some key tracks as well, well. Let me ask you this before you go into those. So was this the night you were supposed to go get your stuff? Yes. You couldn't have swung by downtown? <laughs> no, because that oh. was at night and I went to Dallas instead. So I missed the drop off. Oh, that day you headed. To- oh, okay, okay, okay. So if we were meeting. So she doesn't still have those items. Somebody in downtown has those items. Those are stolen. So I didn't get the stuff back. And uh, she found out that I was in Dallas instead the next day when I posted on Facebook or MySpace or whatever was hot back then. Kept her friended. Huh? You kept her friended, huh? Uh, Yeah. Back then. <laughs> um, some of the key tracks for me were To the Dogs or Whomever, Right Moves, Mind's Eye, Temptation of Adam, and Wait for Love. And it just... It was a solid record. I like that pick, though, because, I mean, you know, these are not only – you have to understand, these are our favorites. I mean, these might not be – I mean, I don't know a ton about him, but the fact that you have a story behind it and that it means something to you, that makes it your favorite album. Yeah, it's one one of my favorite albums in the past 20 years. Yeah. And there's – I mean, you did – you looked at albums after album to put together your list, and you're just like – there's more than five. But uh, yeah, let's go to my first pick. My first pick might be a little obvious. I tried to mix mine up a little bit, but my first pick is All That You Can't Leave Behind uh, by U2. It came out in the year 2000, mm-hmm. and this was shortly after I became a U2 fan. Okay. I mean, what an awesome time, because it was kind of that time in U2's career where they were kind of having kind of a kind of a weird, they were in kind of a weird stage, because um, they had Zorapa that came out, then they had Pop. Which came out around fantastic 90, record, which came man. out around ninety seven, ninety eight. But a lot of people didn't like it. You know, it was it was very much a a failure technically. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it, well, especially on the tour. Yeah, aspect of yeah, it. yeah, the Pop Mart tour. Um, but all that you can't leave behind was kind of like their kind of like their rebirth. I think Bono mm-hmm. said Bono had said something like it was their 
or it, it was there applying once again to be the biggest rock band in the world. It was basically like saying that, you know, we felt like we've kind of been forgotten in a yeah. way. Yeah. Um, we haven't really had anything massive since, you know, Octung Baby. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we want to reapply for that position. Yeah. And honestly, I think they've held it since. You got to think every decade they come out with one superb album that will put them in their rightful spot of yeah. being the creme de la creme of rock and roll. These I'm days. still waiting for this one, but I don't. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> Hashtag. Um, mm. Yeah. But I knew who U2 was before then. I, I vaguely knew who they were, and I mainly knew who they were based on the very few music videos that VH1 would play. Mm-hmm. Uh, VH1 seemed to play um, two music videos that seemed by U2, and they were The Sweetest Thing and uh, If God Would Send His Angels. Those were the only two I remember seeing. Mm-hmm. I saw them. I liked them. But it wasn't until the um, actually the 2000 European Music Awards that I saw them perform Beautiful Day. Yeah. And I linked that together with the new album. I was like, okay, that's from their new album. It's their new single. Mm-hmm. And I was just hooked. Hooked yeah. ever since. Um, yeah, I've already talked about it. It's kind of their rebirth after their last, you know, previous two albums that weren't quite as successful. And, you know, I think one of the big criticisms for All That You Can't Leave Behind was that it was very safe. Mm-hmm. And I agree. But that's not a bad thing, necessarily. I, I, I think to bring yourself back into the public eye, you kind of have to be safe. Or go back to something that you're familiar with. And that the the listener is familiar with, with you. Yeah. Yeah. It was safe, but it was good. I mean, you know, they it did have more, you know, toned down tracks, but mm-hmm. it did have some some of the best like stadium rock yeah. album or songs that they've had. Yeah. Um, you know, Beautiful Day, mm-hmm. uh, Elevation. And Man. I think New York is a very underrated song on that album. I like that one too. Yeah. I like Grace as well. Grace is so good. And Kite. Kite's one of my favorite. Yeah, yeah, I had said for a long time I want Kite to be played at my funeral. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but um It's a good one. And you know, it was it was about ten to eleven months before nine eleven. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanna say at least, you know, I remember the song Walk On was played a lot. Man, that's a good one too. I remember it was played like day two or like, you know, September twelfth. Like CNN were showing scenes from the wreckage, mm-hmm. and um, they were playing "Walk On" during it. Like they, it was just kind of like the soundtrack, you know, for such a horrible event. And I think it kind of cemented, yeah, them as kind of the uh, the official band of New York at that time, along with Springsteen. Yeah, I think Springsteen and U two kind of took that spot, and you know, kind of rallied everyone together and carried the torch. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. But, um, yeah, Kite, you mentioned Kite. That's one of my favorite tracks. Um, when I Look at the World's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, In a Little While. Oh, it's gosh. so good. It's such a, like, a really good stripped-down song, you know, yeah. just like acoustic. A kind of a quiet break within the their live gigs. But, uh, honestly, one of their top three albums, in my opinion. Well... I will say this, that that album was fantastic. One yeah. of my favorites. I even text you when I was putting together my list. I was about to put that down. And I said, I need to check with you first. <laughs> and you sent me your list or I looked at it. 
And I was just like, dang, your honorable mentions had a couple that I was, uh, I was looking at. Um, and you two in your, in your listed. And I was like, man, I was going to put that because that album was fantastic. I know that's, me. I know that's probably one of your, if yeah. not your favorite. Yeah. You two album. I don't know. It is. Yeah. I would still go with Octung Baby, but that's my favorite, but this is definitely in the top three. Um, they had a live uh, concert DVD come out mm-hmm. probably a year later, I think. U2 Live from Boston. Yes. And to say I was obsessed with getting that was an understatement. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was still in high school, didn't really have any money. But uh, I think for my birthday one year, mm-hmm. I got that. And I swear I came from school every day for probably two, three months and just popped that in, skipped through tracks. Yeah. Um, One of their best concert DVDs, easily. I will say this. That that record came out. I remember I'm at my grandparents' house and watching. I don't know what it was. It was something on MTV or VH1, but they showed the video for "Beautiful Day" and yeah. it was the announcement of the new album. Yeah, um, they're at the airport. Yes. Yeah. So I watched that. And I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this is like it floored me. It was so fantastic." And then. We've mentioned on here before that you basically got me the job at the antique store. Yeah. And you worked for about, I don't know how long, like three weeks. I did like part-time. Yeah. Just in the mornings. So, and then I stuck I stuck around for a little bit longer, uh, six years. And <laughs> I remember probably like two weeks after you quit you left yeah uh you knew that it was a horrible well I, w- I worked at night yeah so i just i did it during the days for they paid me in records <laughs> yeah but i remember I, shortly after you know you you left i was in this room and he's like bring out this box go through it and see what's in there yeah and i remember digging around in this box i was like oh it's kenny Loggins. <laughs> It's what's, it's Abba. It's crap. It's crap. So what's it's the crap. one guy's name that was always in there? The the Christmas. I don't remember his name, but anyways, there was one guy. I think you guys had about four hundred copies of. But... The Christ- per- Perry Como. Per- he had he had Christmas albums. Oh no no, no Bean Crosby. It might be him. I'm Perry Como has Christmas albums too. Uh, yeah. Anyways, in this box was a copy of All That You Can't Leave Behind on vinyl. And I remember finding it. That's crazy. And I put it to the side. I was like, hey, John, my boss at the time, uh, I want this. He's like, okay. So I got it, and I just took a picture. I was like, guess what I just found? And I sent it to you, and I was like, guess what I just found? And you're like, what? Like, because <laughs> because I knew, like, you you knew it was probably something that you were like. <laughs> right after I left. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I sent a picture, and you're like, dang it. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I came across this. But I still have it. And yeah. they did a reissue of it. Yeah, they've done a reissue of several of the albums. They All did, of the albums. They did Octane Baby a while back. I, I kind of regret not buying it. I have the original copy of it on vinyl. Mm-hmm. but um, I found the original copy at Campus Collectibles, which was the antique store. Did you? And it, it was wow. without the um, the lo- uh, Cloverleaf. Oh, yeah, the one I have. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's yeah. If anybody else know what we're talking about, you can message us. Um, but yeah, that's my pick. All this you can't leave behind. I I think it's it's such a strong album of the two thousands. I yes. just I think of early two thousands when I just 
you know, when I hear it. And I think it it's one of their albums with some of the most underrated songs on it. Songs they don't really hear about. I mean, like Wild Honey, that's that's a song. Dude, that's a great song. I like that song. I like <laughs> that and When I Look at the World, you never hear about. Yeah. And uh, I think those are two very underrated tracks. But yeah. Um, yeah. It's my, it had to be in my list. Um, so that that's my first pick. Probably, I don't know. I mean, top 10 albums of all time, period. For you? Yeah. It's a great it's a great pick. I like I said, if if you weren't gonna have it in your list, I was gonna take it. Yeah. So but uh I would put it in my top uh I'd probably put it in my top fifteen for for me personally. Yeah. yeah. My favorite albums. All right, man. So that's uh yeah, that's my first pick. Let's go over to yours. All right. My next pick is a nineteen ninety nine album called Midnight Vultures by Beck. So I heard this discussed a lot. Yeah, I bought this album the day it came out, but it was at midnight at the Walmart on Burt Coons. <laughs> the Walmart. The Walmart. <laughs> In the Walmart. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's very country. Um, this album was like just pure funky, cool dance songs. Um, funky as all get out. The music videos for this album were extremely cool. You had Jack Black was in uh, Sex Laws. They were uh, Beck was even chosen for a 2000 episode. Um, MTV used to have a show called Making the Video. Do you remember this? God. I forgot all about that show. I loved that show. Yeah, it was yes. really cool. It was and up there with pop up videos. One of the best shows. Yeah, and it was basically they would choose a band, and I think it God would come about on, that. Yeah. It would come on like I remember watching it on Saturday mornings. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe around like ten. It was on MTV. really good. They did like everyone too. They did. They did you too. I think on a couple and they, they did In Sync. Yeah, they did, they did Dirty those. Pop for In Sync, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was really good. It's a good show. Yeah, and that like there would always be this moment where like, hey, no cameras allowed for this part, <laughs> and it's just like, I wonder what's going to happen. And at the end, they would show the video. You got to tune in. Yeah, so it was really neat. But they used uh, Beck had a song on there called Mixed Business. Yeah. It was fantastic, and one of the parts of the video was this guy who was just basically, it would just show his feet, and they were just like, you know, going back and forth kind of deal, and it was called New Boot, New Boot Goofing, and my brother and I use that term to this day. <laughs> um, they did an episode of that. It was, the whole album was very Prince-esque, like the track Deborah, which was fantastic about how he met he met this girl on the playground and uh he was trying to and when i say girl i meant like woman it's not like beck is out there as a 40 year old <laughs> it's a trying to swoop swoop in on a 9 year old um <laughs> but on a 9 <laughs> so anyways the song is about like how he like fell in love with this girl and he goes i want to get with you and your sister, I think her name is Deborah. Oh. It, it was fantastic. So it's about a threesome, apparently. Um, 
kind of an eccentric album too. I mean, it was yeah. kind of, it was pretty out there. The I mean, album I'm familiar with it. I mean, I've heard yeah. I've heard a lot of it through you. Yeah, because I remember you were really into that album when it came out. The the album cover is just so electric. It's ridiculous. It's like this lime green color with hot pink yeah. and like this graffiti art. It was it was really something special uh, for 1999. Same year as like a couple of uh, another record I pick and Red Hot Chili Peppers and all these other records that are really good. But um, my brother and I quote one of the songs called Hollywood Freaks and the Hollywood scenes. Touch it real good if you want a piece. Was that like one of the big songs off the album? Like, what, what was the biggest song off the album? Sex Laws. Okay, that's probably the one I've heard the most. Of. And, uh, I mean, Sex Laws was the first single, and the second single was big, Mixed Business. But um, the album was just fantastic. It's a pure it's a pure party album. Uh, my, uh, I used to have a copy back in the day when I had money, a ton of it. And it was just kind of by myself. I didn't really, didn't have a girlfriend, not a wife or anything like that. You were rolling in the dough. <laughs> but I would just buy albums and I would spend like yeah, hundreds. That's probably during the time I mentioned earlier. <laughs> yeah. And I bought, I bought, uh, I bought mixed business, uh, not mixed business, I bought Midnight Vultures and I ended up selling it to help pay for uh, some of our stuff for our wedding. So I need to get back to rolling in the dough, not the restaurant, <laughs> the restaurant. <laughs> to buy that. Um, some of my key tracks off the album, I mentioned Deborah, Milk and Honey, Get Real Paid, um, Peaches and Cream, and uh, Hollywood Freaks. Nice. That Hollywood scene. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's Hollywood Freaks is a total summer jam for me and my brother. Beck was kind of, he was always strange to me in the fact that he's not the type of singer who you would have expected to get that type of mainstream exposure. Yeah. But he, I think he's one of the singers that hit the right time, you know? Yeah. And all his albums are, are really different. Yeah. So he doesn't really take the same trail. He's also very pot. He's kind of in yes. as far as like, an, you know, like the Hollywood scenes, as far as like everyone likes you. I mean, he yeah. seemed, you always heard his name mentioned by actors and, you know, it's, he wasn't obscure by any stretch yeah. of the imagination. Did, did he used to like produce albums before? I bet you he produces stuff. Yeah. He seems like the kind of guy that would, you know, write songs and stuff. Odelay's really good to him. Um, you know, New Pollution. Yeah. Devil's Haircut. Uh, one quick story. There was a party at Beck's house. Jack White was there. And it was right when the Kings of Leon kind of got on the scene. And uh, Jack White was out there on the balcony smoking a cigarette, apparently. And he goes, Well, if it ain't Leon, 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 and Leon. <laughs> That's the story. <laughs> That's great. That's the whole story. That's, That's great. My is. God. One day they're going to release a book um, the Kings. Uh, and it's going to be the dirtiest book on the planet. <laughs> We'll see. We'll yeah. see. But uh, yeah, so that's my pick. So let's uh, shoot it over to you. Nice. Nice. Well, mine, um, I think it's quite different than Beck. I'm going to go with uh, Damien Rice, the yeah. album O. I saw a spaceship fly by your window. Did you see it disappear? Sit on my wall 
story of I don't know what the O stands for, but it came out in 2002. And I think a lot of people became familiar with Damien Rice from the movie Closer. Closer. Yeah. Uh, the Blower's Daughter was one of the main themes for that film, which one of the most uncomfortable films I've ever seen in theaters. But um, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. But O was his debut album. Mm-hmm. Him along with uh, or he along with Lisa Hannigan mm-hmm. uh, created it. And it is a it's a masterpiece, man. It is a or it was probably the most listened to album that my wife and I or my girlfriend at the time listened to before we got married. Yeah. It seems like we would always put on his uh, debut album. Along with this follow-up, Nine. Nine. Yeah, we listened to that a lot. Um, the song Volcano was the big single that kind of, you know, started getting his name out there. And then mm-hmm. Blower's Daughter blew him up even more. Yeah. Uh, from the film. Yeah, that movie helped. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, any time you're offered the key track in a film, you're, mm-hmm. <laughs> you'll probably jump at it. But they to, – to sum up Damien Rice and, and the album, because a lot of tracks off the album are – um, in this live performance, <laughs> what you got? No, your phone just went off, and I looked down, and that whoever it is has a Taco Bell symbol for the profile pic. Uh, <laughs> is it Taco Bell? No, it's my buddy who uh, okay. likes Taco Bell. <laughs> it's Patrick Maxwell. Okay, so some reason I thought that was funny. Anyways, Damien Rice, uh, the album O. They do a live performance at uh, St. Luke's Church in London. Mm-hmm. For a, a BBC show. Yeah. And hands down, I mean, you know, it's probably one of the most powerful live concerts I've ever seen. It is absolutely mind-blowing and worth checking out. They do a performance of I Remember, which is off the O album. I Remember You? No, I Remember I remember It Well, that song. And uh, it's just great. Lisa Hannigan is such a strong part of this album, too. I don't think it would have had the same impact that it had. Real quick. Yeah. I I remember going to see Closer, hearing that song, and I think it was prior to Shazam. And I remember... Shazam? You know, the, the app uh-huh. that you... You ever heard of Shazam? Is that the app that tells you... The song that's playing? Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay. So, I, was, I think it was before that, but I remember going to see the movie with a friend of mine, and uh, I remember typing in the lyrics, <laughs> and we went to Best Buy, and I bought the, bought the CD yeah. right on the spot, and I was just like, oh my gosh. Another person that is like a Damien Rice sequel... I guess you could say, yeah, would be Boniver or Bon Iver. Yeah, I've heard of him. And because it just reminds me of the Damien Rice. Uh, kind of his, uh, is he Irish, I guess? or Man, I don't know, but have you ever listened to Forema Forever Ago? If you like the Damien Rice, so. you might like that, man. Yeah, like the Walmart, the Damien Rice. <laughs> huh? You said the Damien Rice. Uh, the Damien Rice <laughs> album. Oh, oh okay, okay. That's what I meant. But uh, no, it was... Um, Man. Uh, the tracks Cold Water, uh, Amy, Cheers, Darling are all some of my mate. Some of Cannonball. My Cannonball. Yeah. The entire album is just great beginning to end. Um, the final track is called Eskimo, mm-hmm. which is a great track, but it's a it's a 16 minute track. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eskimo plays and then probably three minutes later of silence, 
um, the song uh, Prague starts playing. And then there's silence after that. <laughs> and then uh, Lisa Hannigan comes in and sings a version of Silent Night. Yes. And I didn't know about those two extra songs until I probably had the album for like, you know, a solid year. Yeah. Because I didn't have like the track time on my car. Like, you know, yeah. you put the CD in, you see yeah. how long. I just forgot it was in and the song ended. <laughs> it kept playing and it kicked in. So see what happened there? Kind of a cool surprise. Yeah. But, yeah. um, yeah, you don't hear a lot about Damien Rice anymore, but I think he does a lot of um, kind of smaller, you know, gigs overseas. And Yeah, he hardly ever tours the U.S. Yeah, I mean, he might have once. Uh, Lisa Hannigan has her own single albums now. Okay. Yeah, really good. Really a beautiful singer, but yeah, that's one of my favorite albums. Check out the, uh, the, um, the live show I mentioned, St. Luke's Church in London. Um, you can check it on YouTube. The whole thing's on there. It's, I could not recommend it enough. If you're just going to check out one track from it, listen to, I remember, um, live it's, you'd be hard pressed to find a better live performance of any song. It's amazing. Was, was she married to Damien Rice? I don't don't think they were married. I want to say they might've had a relationship, but okay. From everything I can tell, they kind of they broke up, you know, musically at least. It was mm-hmm. kind of a uh, kind of a rough situation or something. I I don't remember why, but I think him losing her on on the albums. Honestly, I think it kind of hurt it a little bit. Yeah, when she you, complimented him so well. When you lose that little duet aspect of it, it yeah. just kind of. There's a band that I love right now, uh, Houndmouth. And uh-huh. the girl who's on the first two records, phenomenal. Yeah. Katie Tupin, phenomenal singer, but she left the band and they came out with the third record and the third record's like, oh. yeah, it's, it's that little uh, touch of magic that you didn't really realize until they're gone. You know, it's yeah. kind of help. Don't know what you got. <laughs> it's gone. It helped bring them together. But um, yeah. Oh, Damien Rice. That's my next pick. I, I love this topic because it makes us go back because i've been listening to damien rice oh and i don't know how long he's on um i have a spotify playlist with like over 200 songs on it and he mm. he has a few songs on there cool. so he'll come across i just i listen to it on shuffle constantly yeah yeah and um yeah his stuff is amazing and like i've already said probably three times his live stuff is even better so let's go to yours all right my next pick is probably the most recent pick on my list, which, uh, looking back, yes, it is. In 2015, a band called Lord Huron came out with a record called Strange Trails. It, you already know what number one is, probably. <laughs> I, I can guess, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Brent says it's a shocking pick because I am a founding father of the Lord Huron <laughs> fan club on Facebook, which is almost to 1,900 people. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So, 
Strange Trails is their second record. Their first one was Lonesome Dreams that came out in 2013, maybe 2012. But uh, my friend Mini Horse mentioned it to me and said, you might like this. I didn't like it. I loved it. Lo- okay. <laughs> um, but Lonesome Dreams is really good, but Strange Trails is really where it got me uh, hooked on their stuff. It's very Bruce Springsteen-esque, and I am constantly trying to talk miles into listening to them. So, because they're playing up uh, in Richmond, Virginia, and I told him he has to go. I definitely did. I mean, I haven't listened to a ton of Huron, but yeah. what I've listened to, I definitely didn't get Bruce Springsteen from them. Maybe I probably just wasn't listening to it. Um, tracks, but, but Meet Me in the Woods sound like the beat sounds like Bruce Springsteen okay. and the lyrics are just killer Bruce Springsteen. Yep. But um, Strange Trails came out in 2015 and what they did was they on Twitter, they put up a map of the U.S. and they put up little icons to symbolize each song yeah. in different states. And basically you drove to that state and you went to that record store or the most famous record store of that town. Yeah. And they would have singles, seven inch singles, and they would only make one for each song. So it was kind of like an Easter egg hunt. What do you mean? They would only make one. Like so only one song would be on each. Yes. Okay. But I mean, they came out with the, the record, but that was, you know how, but if you combined all the singles together that they spread out, it made up the record. No, no, no. Like, they released the record but oh, okay. as, like, a little bonus, like, a little treasure hunt. I got you. I got you. Would, kind of like the Holiday and Dixie prize. <laughs> yeah. Except instead of $1,000, it was a it was a 45 Yeah, I got you. Okay. No one can, I mean, they're all spoken for, and I hit Twitter <laughs> once a month, and I go through to see, to dig up the handles of the people that found them to message them to, to ask if they would be willing to sell them to me. How much would you have paid for one? Oh. Would you have paid over $500? Oh, no, no. Okay. No. <laughs> I would, um, I would pay a hundred. I think, I think things like that help, yeah. helped you. I mean, not necessarily helped you because you already liked them. It sounds yeah. like, but really kind of sealed the deal. Cause I know you and I love stuff like that. ARG stuff. Yeah. yeah. Cloverfield. That's kind of how they do this. Yeah. And in their n- most recent album, they did, um, you went on, on the line and then they told you, you turn on your location and they would tell you how far the nearest Emerald star was. Uh-huh. And I thought, oh man, there's going to be a hidden 45 somewhere. And there was one in New Orleans when I was in New Orleans. <laughs> and I was like, I got to go. I left my wife and her family while they were hanging out, <laughs> drove 40 minutes into New Orleans, went to the location. There was nothing hidden, but... You could only be in a certain area and you could listen to that song. And it was before the album came out. But once you're outside the area, you didn't get to hear so it. So once you're in a certain part of New Orleans, you could go onto the app. And it would play, it would automatically, the Emerald Star would pop up and it would spin a little bit and the song would start playing. That's cool. And But like each each location was only one song and it was spread out across. It was, it was in the U.S., it was in Australia, it was in uh, the U.K., but it was just different. <laughs> But that's the only way you could listen to it. Do you think a maniac exists that actually drove to each location or flew no. to each location? Okay. No. All right. <laughs> because if they did, they would be in our group and they would have already said it. <laughs> they would have been the leader. Yeah. They would overtake it. You'd be me. like, look, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm stepping out. Yeah, I'm stepping out. You know? But um, 
I love this record a ton, and it's just, it's about adventure, and it's about heartbreak, and it's about losing and winning sometimes, and it's just phenomenal. I bought the record, sold out of it, and then this goes back to paying hundreds of dollars for a record. (laughs) So, and then they put, a distributor put out Strange Trails and Lonesome Dreams, their first album, but Strange Trails was on yellow vinyl and Lonesome Dreams was on clear vinyl or Coke vinyl. Of course, you got to get both. So, it was through my distributor, so I ordered like 10 of each. Uh And I sold some, but I kept some. Yeah. And now... Those prices have gone up. Oh yeah, dramatically. How much? Like two hundred. Sell that. And I have like <laughs> copies sealed, just sitting there on my shelf. Nice. So and then they came out. They came pretty big off this record um, with the night we met. Mm. Uh, it was played on Thirteen Reasons Why. Okay. And it just became a huge success for them. Yeah. And so now. Every they've released the album Strange Trails on black, yellow, gold, pink, and a like a blue splatter vinyl. Do you have them all? <laughs> yes. The look on your face answers my question. Yeah, yeah. I I think I already knew the answer to that because I think you told me that before that yeah. you picked them all up. I mean, it's the same album. Same album, nothing just different. Different no, color. No different. You know, just same album cover. <laughs> Um, it's just, does your wife know about this? Yeah. Okay. All right. She does. She does now. If she doesn't already, <laughs> but yeah, supportive. she knows, she knows me and my, uh, obsession with Lord Huron, but key tracks, cursed, full for love, world ender, meet me in the woods, frozen ponds. It's just, it's the way Ben Schneider, who is Lord Huron, uh, the way he writes his albums, it just is, seems like a movie to me well okay there was one that you had i think when you first introduced me to him like what was it each album was like a movie poster or something or a t what was that there was like a a cowboy episode of something and it had some cowboy episode i don't know like each was it like an old book yes okay Okay, that's lonesome dreams a book okay okay sorry i got really confused (laughs) so they built like this author, uh-huh. fictional author named George Ranger Johnson, and they made a website, and on the website, it talks about how he writes a book series called The Lonesome Dream Series, and each book title okay. was a song title. I got you. And That's... it's, it's I mean, they build a world, and yeah. it's something that, just like Cloverfield and other movies that we like, where we're like, oh, well, if you put this piece and you flip this upside down, it might be this. Yeah. It, it just, it's more than an album. It's it make, a whole world. It makes it a lot it. of fun. Yeah, yeah, I mean that that's that's the kind of stuff I think we would do if we were musicians. You know, yeah. we, we would create this whole little different universe. That <laughs> yeah, and uh, they came out with something called Products of the Universe, mm-hmm. which was like a QVC local channel, and they hid VHS tapes around, just like the forty fives. Yeah, but for this time it was VHS tapes, and you could watch it. And it's just really weird. So they, 
What was with the tapes? Products of the Universe. Oh. But it's on YouTube now. Oh, okay, okay. But it was like 45 minutes of just this weird, <laughs> weird local access TV show. Yeah. That was basically like a QVC, but they were trying to sell like Mind Pigment and The Balancer's Eye and all this weird stuff. <laughs> but in, in the middle of it, like, they would just, it'd be like someone accidentally taped over it. And then all of a sudden, there's the band playing. That's awesome. <laughs> and then it would cut to something else, and it's just like so weird. But if you got, you should check it out. It's weird. Yeah. And you'll probably turn it off after five minutes or ten <laughs> minutes. But it's just something that it's just unbelievable. And then in the credits, you see names that you recognize from like past songs and stuff like that. That's cool, man. Yeah, it's a whole world. It's really weird. But um, I'm trying to think of other bands that have done similar stuff like that. Like, uh, didn't Muse hide bikes around town? I think I think they did something for. Um, I thought it was Netherlands or something like that for the Resistance album or something. Yeah, I, I want to say they did something similar to that. Mm-hmm. But um, I like that though. Yeah, it, like I said, it's just something different. You and- two shot an album out to everyone that had an iPhone, and people acted like they got. An STD or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's that? not a good Easter egg. <laughs> People but, uh, freak. You, uh, go ahead. You got your next pick. All right. <laughs> um, next pick came out in 2007, and it is by the band The Arcade Fire. And it is Neon Bible. Originally didn't pick Neon Bible. I struggled between Neon Bible and their debut album, Funeral. Yeah. But the more I started trying to take notes about Funeral, the harder it became. <laughs> because that's a very obscure album uh, with a lot of meanings. And it's just a... It's obscure on purpose. But, you know, Neon Bible is probably my favorite if I had to pick between yeah. the two. Because it's actually one of their more well-put-together albums. At the time, at least. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not as raw as funeral. It's more produced. Structured. Yeah, yeah. And it's um I mean it, it, it I think it's tied with funeral as their best. I mean, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have to put funeral with it because that's kind of their coming out album and yeah. I mean Wake Up is one of the most powerful songs ever. Especially in that moment when we first heard it. Too, yeah, yeah. With you two about to walk out on stage and it's just like, man. Yeah. I mean it it still maintains the raw energy of funeral. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, it, and it still maintained like that, that deep yet, you know, defiant tone that Arcade Fire kind of continues to admit to this day. I mean, they're definitely not a, they're not a radio band by any stretch of the mm-hmm. imagination, even today where they are, you know, very produced and sold out as people say, which, whatever that means, you know, yeah. when people become successful, um, it has such great like bookend tracks. It's, it's very much a story. Yeah. Which I like that about Arcade Fire. A lot of bands do that, but Arcade Fire is kind of like you're reading a book. It has yeah. a beginning, middle, and end. It's structured so well. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I've always been a fan of theirs. They're very quirky, but. They're an odd group, and there's like 48 of them. <laughs> I think there's 65 now. Oh. But. 
graduated. But uh, I was I was reading up on some you know some articles and uh, during a Rolling Stone interview in 2007, Wynn Butler, which is the lead singer, you know, he said something that I feel kind of just still described Arcade Fire to this day. We're trying to navigate a culture where people manufacture a lot of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> the goal is not to sell the most records or be the most famous. I think everyone in our band thinks we're trying to do something that's real and has some lasting value to it. And you can tell yeah. in their albums. They're they're looking to last cement a legacy, you know. Yeah. Oh, the arcade fire. Yeah. I remember them from fifty years ago, you know. It's just a great it's a great, great, great album. Um the show Black Mirror. Are you familiar yes. with that show? I didn't know this. Uh, the show Black Mirror was named as a nod to Neon Bible's opening track of Black really? Mirror. Yeah, I didn't know that. Like, apparently, the creator of Black Mirror is a massive Arcade Fire fan. Hmm. And that's where he got Black the idea for Mirror. the name. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Black Mirror was your telephone. It could mean that, too. Yeah. But according to the guy that made the show, it was from. Yeah. Man. That was kind of cool. Yeah. But. Uh, one of the one of my favorite tracks on it, "No Cars Go," was a reworked track from one of their older um, earlier sing- EPs. singles, I yeah. believe. Yeah, and it's probably still one of the most powerful like live performances. I think it's so so good. I always wanted to see them live. Man, I would love to. I, I know somebody that saw them in Dallas not long ago. Yeah, but I'm I'm worried that my time has passed to enjoy it. I guess you could say why. Because I would I would want to see them during the Neon Bible suburb tours. I mean, I wouldn't what, want this later. Yeah, stuff. yeah, it's definitely um, not what it used to be. Yeah, I mean, what's what's the name of the latest album? I can't even remember. Uh, everything, everything, every, every now, everything, everything now. now. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not bad. It's Re- listen to it. Reflector was really good. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy Reflector. Um. When you were taking notes, did you read anything about a church? Yeah, they they recorded this in a church, yeah, a, a, re, uh, a rundown church, and they bought it. Mm-hmm. I think the church had already been converted into like a coffee shop or something. Mm. And but they bought the church and they turned it into a recording studio. And I think they recorded um, suburbs in it too. Okay. And then they pretty much had to stop because I think the roof started collapsing, <laughs> like it was run down. Yeah, but um. Yeah, really good, really raw, really it's it's kind of a has a very dark tone to it. It's yeah. I mean, and that's what I love about it. One of the funniest things that I that I knew about was one of their tracks is called Antichrist Television Blues. It's probably the song I'm thinking about, which is one of my favorite tracks. I think it's absolutely amazing. It's creepy though. But I was reading that it was originally going to be called um Joe Simpson, I think that's his name, Antichrist Television Blues. It was going to be a song about um, Jessica and Ashley Simpson's father. Okay. Who, who was a preacher. Yeah. And But at the last second, they decided to change the name. But they make references to it um, in the song. So I thought that was really weird. I, I don't know. My... Antichrist Television Blues is a great track. I love that one. My body is a cage. Is so good. Yeah, I guess Neon Bible, where the king is taken back his throne, mm-hmm. and then Black Waves, Bad Vibrations. Yeah, it's I, fantastic. Um, I mentioned My Body Is a Cage, but that is. I mean, I listened to it again recently. Mm-hmm. I mean, Goosebumps, man. Yeah. I mean it. It just kicks up at the end, mm-hmm. and it just sounds so much like a 
goodbye song you know just a closing of the album song it is absolute perfection i love i love all the single regina tracks too which is when butler's wife yeah. in the band i always thought um she has a very interesting voice and in one of the songs actually she is playing something on a, a cassette recorder she recorded it in the bathroom at her house okay and she has like a tape recorder in there with her or something, but you can actually hear uh press stop on it during the album, which I didn't know that. And I went back and listened and you can hear um press stop. I thought mm-hmm. that was kind of neat. The I had a customer come in. We were talking about RK Fire and he man, the suburbs or something like that. I don't know what we were talking about, but somehow we got on the arcade fire and I mentioned, Have you listened to Neon Bible? And he goes, No, nah, no, nah, I haven't. I was like, Look. Take my copies. God's name is Scott Mason. Great guy. And you have it on vinyl. Mm-hmm. But that's is it? I mean, is, is there anything special? It's that? a double album, yeah. and on side D is uh, no music. It's just etched, and it's the Bible. Oh, oh, you showed me that. Yeah. Okay, I remember that now. Yeah. yeah. So I let him borrow that, and he brought it back, and he's just like, "It's the hologram, not the hologram." Okay, that's um. Jack White. But this, don't you see something? Or I mean, you can see the etching. Okay. Of okay. the of the Bibles. Yeah, yeah, From the yeah. front cover. But they, they're just in a circle. Yeah. Okay. But uh, anyways, he loved it. I think he, I think I had order a copy for him when he bought it. But Neon Bible is just fantastic. And it's to the point where I'll have to go listen to it. <laughs> I love the cover too. It's so, uh, I, I like, I like the message they're going for. I mean, really when Butler said that he did like a ton of, um, you know, preparation for the album by mm-hmm. watching a bunch of, uh, TV evangelists, which, you know, the kind that yeah, pretty much send me money. I'll send you a yeah, blessed, I'll pray for you. blessed handkerchief. Yeah. You know, that kind of, you know, the kind that were basically just stealing people's money and yeah. Neon Bible. I think it's their best album and that would be my next pick. Perfect pick. I love that record. And it's a good like winter record. Yeah, so, yeah, I have to listen to that by myself. <laughs> Outside. Outside. <laughs> Look, the most winter badass thing I've ever done. Yeah. One time I went and watched uh, No Country for Old Men. Came home, found my mom, like, found our family dog dead. Oh, no. Oh, was that? Oh, Chessa? No. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, no, it was before that. Yeah, her name was Kaylee. Yeah. And I went and woke up my mom. And this by this time it's like eleven thirty midnight, hmm. and I was like, "Hey, um, Kaylee passed away." No, not I killed the dog. She she passed in her sleep. Yeah, so good way to go. Ah, uh, yes. And uh, she's like, "Oh my gosh," she's like, "What time is it?" I was like, "Twelve. Don't worry, I'll, I'll you know I'll get it ready." I went outside, pea coat, just cold, just dug a dog's grave. My next pick <laughs> is, but it didn't even phase you because what you had just watched. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Sugar got her." Um, sugar. Uh, number four is also from 1999. My, oh, my fourth pick. Yeah. Um, Tom Perry and the Heartbreakers. Echo. Stand with a ticket in your hand. You don't play, you can't win. It's his divorce album. Oh. 
and it is so freaking strong. It's ridiculous. Now, what do you mean it's a divorce album? He got a divorce, and it's about his divorce. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's about him and his wife just falling out of love. Oh, wow. And him, like, being alone and her moving on and oh. and just divorce. Uplifting. Huh. Yeah. Josh Ruder has the divorce record that's just top-notch as well. Oh, yeah? Um, and then his wife came out. His ex-wife came out with her own divorce record. <laughs> so yeah, It's always crummy when your wife's a musician, too. <laughs> uh, so Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers Echoes, 1999. This is a divorce album. His The bass player, second bass player, Howie Epstein, after, after Ron Blair left, uh, Howie Epstein played bass. Like late nine, late nine, early nineties or late eighties, all the way up until this point, he was strung out on drugs, big time, like heroin. Wow! And he got kicked out of the band in the mid nineties because of his addiction. Yeah. And he wouldn't straighten up. And Tom's like, "You got, if you want this gig, you got to straighten up, dude. You know, do weed, that's cool, but don't be doing for heroin. God's sake, do meth." Yeah. So. He kicks Howie out of the band, even though while Tom is pointing the finger like, hey, you got you to gotta straighten up, oh. Tom was doing heroin as well. <laughs> Not so, good. But he, but he cleaned up. Um, Howie came back to the band, you know, said I, he was sober. Sorry. I was going to say, I figured he cleaned up way before 99, you know, yeah. I, Petty. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, but this is like in the mid '90s where he kicked that guy out. Or oh, okay. Early '90s where he kicked that guy. I'm sorry. Out. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, you're good. But I guess it's okay to do heroin when you're writing the checks. <laughs> um, yeah. Sure. R.I.P. to Tom Petty. He's my favorite of all time. Yeah. Um, no, didn't die from heroin. No, no. Uh, pill addiction or <laughs> or Mick cocktail of pills. Uh, Howie Epstein was strung out on drugs when he came back, or told him he was so strung out on drugs, so strung out. Mm-hmm. That on the album cover, there's five people in this darn band. There's only four people on the album cover. <laughs> He's, he didn't make this photo no, shoot? No, he didn't. Um, it was really weird. And then he he eventually he so, passed away. Howie so, Epstein did. So did he ever come back and rejoin the band? Or was that no, pretty much the end of it? That was pretty much the end of it. He he passed away and it like killed uh, Petty. Yeah. That's crazy. Didn't. So I'm I'm showing Brent the album cover. So there's four people on the album cover, but he didn't even make it. It looks like there was a little space there for him too. Yeah, and I think he did that on purpose. Yeah. So he could be there because they even thought about let's just make it blurry as possible, and they even shot an album cover where he wasn't in it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, but there was another person just standing in his spot. Oh, uh, okay. To make it look like it, but it didn't work out. Uh, Howie Epstein passed away. Tom Petty just is killer. Um, some of my favorite tracks off this record. Um, to this day, I don't think they really toured this album. Really? Because it was so, like, a couple years ago, before his 40th anniversary tour, Tom Petty, I listened to a podcast, and <laughs> he said, the person said, will you play, you know, something off of Echo on your 40th? And he goes, I don't know. Like, I just now, this came out in 99, and the the interview was, like, 2017, 2018. Yeah. And he said, I just now got around to listening to that album. Gosh. 
because I mean, I guess it was too Messed much. Messed him for up, yeah. Yeah. Um, key tracks for me is Echo, um, No More, hmm. Rhino Skin. Talking about like how you have to be tough to thick skin. Yeah, yeah be thick skin to admit your flaw. You know, just all of it with divorce and stuff, and maybe even being someone in the limelight when people are talking about you or, you know, E news or someone saying like, Oh, she, you know, she broke up with so-and-so because of this and that. And they might even have the, they probably have the story wrong, but you know, you just have to have thick skin to get through it all. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Um, but room at the top of the world is, um, my, probably my top five Tom Petty tracks. It Mm. will be played at my funeral. Um, (laughs) <laughs> it's amazing but uh free girl hey baby you're a free girl now um it's just a strong album and it was kind of i think his i think his most recent one before that 99 was tom petty wildflowers which rick rubin produced mm-hmm. and that was 94 i think i just said that anyways um so it's just kind of a so it was a five five year between yeah, but yeah. between that, he did a soundtrack. Oh. But anyways, Echo, Tom Petty, and the Heartbreakers, fantastic. If you're in the mood to cry, listen to it. If you just got divorced. Who? If you just got divorced, check oh, yeah, out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Tom Petty, yeah, 1999. There were a lot of, I mean, there were a lot of, you know, worse things he could have done during that divorce than make an album. So. Yeah, but that's how he coped with it, which was kind of cool. And plus, it just shared with... With others, because, you know, there's a lot of people that go through a divorce, and it's, I, I, you've been divorced twice. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> um, I've never been divorced. I mean, I've just been married two years and a couple of days. Four days will be two years. Gosh. Um, but it's just wild, like, to think, to see everyone's view of what happened, because it's, I think it's a bunch of he said, she said stuff, but. Yeah. I'm going to side with Tom on this. <laughs> I trust Tom. I trust Tom. New shirt. Hashtag. Just no, I'm going to make a shirt. I just, I trust Tom. I want you to start the hashtag, but don't say the last name. Just I trust Tom. Yeah. yeah. Done. Because it'd be good Hanks. I trust Tom Hanks. <laughs> I would. Yeah. I, I trust Tom Hanks to like keep my kid or something. Yeah. Who wouldn't? He's going to be Mr. Rogers. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I'll probably cry. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Your turn. <laughs> My next pick is going to be the, I was about to say the band, or uh, the album Absolution Mm. by the band Muse. have to say their name a little bit yeah uh it came out in 2004 and i was familiar with muse but didn't really know a whole lot about them mm-hmm. saw their uh 2004 glastonbury yeah. uh, live performance which mm-hmm. it was pretty much pretty much the majority of the music was from the uh album absolution and that's what got me hooked 
Um, Absolution is a follow-up to their previous album, Origin of Symmetry. And I think they take a lot of ideas from that album and just kind of perfect them in Absolution. Um, a lot of their like symphonic, symphonic, symphonic rock. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I think that sound, which they're so known for today, it kind of began um, in Absolution and was kicked into high gear. Uh, tracks like Butterflies and Hurricanes, um, the track Blackout kind of utilizes that sound a lot. And it's definitely one of their more, one of their more uh, bleak albums, I guess. I mean, they've had some since then that I guess might be a little darker. Yeah. But um, at the time, a lot of it talked about like into the world. And I mean, their opening track was um, Apocalypse, Please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stockholm syndrome, uh, hysteria. So it all kind of had that, that, uh, that vibe to it throughout the entire album. Um, the one track that I really thought was one of their biggest callbacks was called the small print. Mm-hmm. And I think it's their strongest callback to one of their, uh, previous albums, um, which was showbiz. Yes. I th- which I, I almost chose showbiz, but. Um, it has more of a raw presentation than the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of shows the older, you know, version of Muse within it. They, they're known as a live band, you know, you, you kind of have to see them live or you haven't really experienced Muse. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very much stadium, you know, they're built for it. Yeah. I mean, a- every one of their songs, basically my, my favorite off of absolution is falling away from uh, falling away with you. That's a pretty song. Yeah. That's, I didn't know about muse until Matt Graham, a, uh, a friend of ours, yep. we went to school with, he would play it nonstop. I'm like, dude, shut this crap. He's off. honest. Honestly, he's the person I heard about it from. Yeah. Cause we would hang out sometimes like me and you, and yeah. like he would be there and we went to a coffee shop to hang out and yeah. he was talking about their latest album. Yeah. And, and it was absolution. Yeah. That's where I heard about him the mm-hmm. first time. And, uh, finally I was like, all right, man, I'll, you know, I'll buy the ticket. I'll take the ride. <laughs> and I enjoyed them a good bit. And the harp DVD was phenomenal. So good, man. That was, uh, during their black holes and revelations tour. One thing I like about muse is the fact that Matthew Bellamy. Yeah. Uh, at one point, his father-in-law was Kurt Russell. Really? Yeah. He date. Oh, he got yeah, married yeah. to, uh, Kate What's her Hudson. Name? That's right. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so muse is good in my book with her, when they're friends with, you know what? Nevermore. No, not anymore. No, because I think they got a divorce. Yeah, yeah, they so, divorced a while back. So, uh, he started dating a girl that is the daughter or the niece of a woman that my wife works with, which is really weird. I know how uh, she works up at Highland. Or she's she's a she's a pharmacy rep or something that comes okay. around. I think that's what it is. Yeah, you need I was, to get something signed. It, that's what I said. <laughs> I don't know why. Beck, if you're listening, get something signed for your husband. Yeah, come on, man. I think Absolution kind of gave them the ammo that they needed to basically take over, you know, the live concert title, which you'd be hard pressed to find somebody that can top them now. Maybe maybe not like right now, but I mean, there was a time from Absolution all the way up to, I mean, Second Law. 
Yeah, I mean, or, you know, Resistance, Second Law, that mm-hmm. they pretty much own the entire. Resistance, that's, yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking of. Resistance is good. Second Law was after Resistance. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. It, it's, their albums are so fantastic and so just out of this world. It's almost like a westerny, like one song I'm thinking about. Black Holes and Revelations is really. Yeah, it was off of that Knights of Sindona. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Sindonia or yeah, I forget how you pronounce Man. it, but what a great music video too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but speaking of that, I mean that was her follow up album to Absolution, and it's great. I love it. It's one of their best albums, but it kind of starts their more their more overproduced era, mm-hmm. um, where Absolution kind of gives a proper send off to the more classic version of the band. Yeah. Well, it's their second act now. Well, yeah. I mean, Showbiz, Origins of Symmetry were very, How? very... They, they weren't drastically different from Absolution. Yeah. But it kind of started to push towards a different sound. I think they played a little too safe now, but that's just my opinion. But their um their upcoming album sounds and looks great. I'm really excited for it. And I actually pre-ordered it, which I haven't pre-ordered anything physical. And But I pre-ordered it on cassette tape. Oh, nice. <laughs> I didn't even listen to Drones. Drones is good. Drones, I was not expecting to like their album Drones, but it's very, very good. Um, one of their heavier albums, actually. One of my uh, one of my favorites by them is uh, a track off of uh, Second Law. Madness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Madness is really good. It picks up like near the end, mm-hmm. just into more of that stadium yeah. arena rock that I was kind of talking about. But, um. Yeah, I've seen them. I've seen them three times technically because they opened up for U two. Yeah, during their um, U two three sixty tour. Yeah, I had tickets to that, and then I had heart problems, so I sold them. Oh yeah, <laughs> at uh, AT and T Stadium. Yeah, and yeah. that was the first concert at AT and T Stadium in Dallas, I believe. Um, might have been. Yeah, yeah. I saw them in um in Houston one time at mm-hmm. I think it was the Verizon Wireless Theater, which is a little theater. Okay. So it was really cool seeing them kind of in a more, you know. Intimate setting? Yeah, yeah. And then they, I think they toured Houston again and had a, for Resistance, and I saw them mm-hmm. there. So great band. Um, definitely my favorite album of the lot. Yeah. They got a, they got a plethora of albums, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Origin Symmetry was close to being what I picked, but I think Absolution really, um, it really wraps up that era of Muse very well. So. Well, I mean, Bellamy, um, like I said, they kind of started this, the symphonic rock, mm-hmm. but he went and, I mean, he started doing full on, you know, composing music. I mean, like, yeah. um, especially in, I believe it's Second Law. Yeah. I mean, they have like three, I think it's three tracks where it's just like classical piano um, synth music, which yeah. I think is awesome. I love that they incorporate that so much. And it looks like they're going... 100,000 miles an hour with that in their new album. Yeah. Um, I haven't listened to anything off of that new Some album. of their singles are out, which are which are really good. One of their music videos, um, it's very, very retro wave. Yeah. Like, that's their total inspiration for this new album. The retro wave look and sound, and which I'm, I, I love that. I love the retro wave look and sound and everything. And I think a lot of the inspiration for the show, as far as the look, our show, yeah, you know, came from that. But yeah, big fan of Muse. I feel like they kind of went downhill a little bit 
for a time, but maybe they'll come back up. Yeah, yeah. They, they they became a little too safe, I think. A little too corporate. Yeah, it's fighting words. Yeah. <laughs> so that's bad. my pick, Absolution. All right, let's go to yours. All right, this is my final pick, and this is probably my favorite album of crazy. the past twenty years. Crazy Town. Crazy Crazy Town was well, that was probably before ninety eight. Yeah. <laughs> um. It is Aha Shake Heartbreak by Kings of Leon, which came out in 2004. I remember when you first started listening to that album. Yeah. I mean, probably within the first week. I remember mm-hmm. we were in your car. Mm-hmm. You had it. I want to say you had it on cassette. I mean, I I, you did. Okay. <laughs> we were, not, not a bootleg cassette. I went on actually one of my ex-girlfriends. Yeah. I, for some reason, we we're still talking. And I said, how cool is this? And I sent a picture of it with the eBay site. And she's like, oh, that's really neat. And I was like, yeah, I'm thinking about getting it. And she's like, oh, cool. And I didn't get it uh-huh. because someone bought it. And I was uh-huh. like, dang. So I went back and I said, yeah, it's it's no longer up there. And she's like, someone bought it? I was like, yeah, but I can't see who, who bought it. And she's like, oh, well, on my screen it tells me so-and-so. And I was just like, well, how does it show you who bought it? Uh-huh. But not me. And then I get it in the mail. Oh. She bought it for me. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> What's her name? No. No, okay. Um, <laughs> you should thank her. We should call her right now and thank her for introducing you or helping you get into Aha Shake Artbreak. No, she didn't help me get into it. She got you the, the tape. But I knew I, I had. Did you have tape. the CD before? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. You just wanted. This is like years later. I could have sworn you had the tape when we listened to it for like the first time. Mm-mm. Okay. Maybe I'm, maybe it was a CD. You know what it was? What? I had my iPod. That was it. Okay. And then I had the the tape adapter. That, that's what I'm I thinking. Of. The tape in. That's right. That's right. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. So, anyways, um, saw Kings of Leon on um, MTV, like. You hear, you hear it first or whatever. That's where I saw the Killers. And I saw My Morning Jacket, Killers, and Kings. What a concept. MTV told you about new bands. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyways, so I kind of picked, I looked at the first CD at Best Buy and I bumped into a friend of mine. I was like, man, what do you know about these guys? And he goes, man, it's just like Southern, like rock. I was just like, eh. <laughs> But then um, I saw a video for The Bucket, which is a phenomenal song about um, suicide. I mean, uh, not suicide, um, about stealing his brother's youth. Man, it's going to be a long one. (laughs) 
Kings of Leon, <laughs> three bro- three brothers and one cousin. You have to condense this down to at least ninety minutes. Uh, <laughs> so three brothers and a cousin, and they were all like super young when this all went down, mm. and to the point where like their their youngest brother was like still in high school when they were touring their first album. Like he was sixteen. Now Aha Shakar, that that wasn't their first, right? No, Youth and Young Manhood. Yeah, that's right. So. Anyway, so the the bucket is about the lead singer like feeling like he stole his brother's youth, like the all those years that he could have just been hanging out and doing school and a making kid, friends yeah. and being a kid, being yeah. a teenager. He had him like on the road, and, yeah, you know. But I've read so many articles about that band. I've listened to that album so many times. <laughs> I have it like four times over on vinyl. I have it. On white vinyl, black vinyl, Gods, I just UK, have, con, you know, edition. I just have to say, there is no exaggerating in the fact that this man is a hardcore, lives, breathes, <laughs> bleeds, yeah, kings of Leon, <laughs> and and they were just so fantastic. And like you said, like when we're in our youth and just kind of two thousand two. Like we graduated 2003, you know, that little era was like when we were becoming like actual adults. That's a fun, like, you know, 2002 to like 2006 or something. Yeah. You know, and it was, uh, it was just wild because we were kind of out, not out on our own because I lived with my parents in hell until like, I mean, I spent some time, I moved out a couple years, but the majority of my 20s, I lived with my parents. I'm not afraid to say that. Um, but anyways, the back to the album. Sheesh. The album cover is really like intriguing. It's an orc, a white orchid kind of looks like an alien and kind of looks like something else, <laughs> but it's like, kind of like a clamshell clamshell. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Um, they toured youth and young manhood. And then for this follow up, it was basically like, an open diary about what all went on with the first tour for that first album. And it was insane. Like the first song, Taper Jean, uh, not Taper Jean Girl, Slow Night So Long. It was about, I think maybe the lead, the, the drummer like was trying to take a girl home uh-huh. and all the good ones were gone. And he was like, I, you know, you're not so pretty, but you'll do. <laughs> That type of aspect. And in yeah. the bucket was about um, the brother stealing the other brother's youth. Uh, there's a story, uh, not a story, there's a song about uh, called Milk that was basically like the lead singer like wanted this girl to stay for him after the show. And he was a little late to the party kind of deal. And she left with his younger brother, the one that he stole the youth from. And, like, it was just phenomenal. And the B-sides that came off this album were banging. Yeah. Head to toe was fantastic. <laughs> um, but it was just... I got all of these from you. Yeah. Like, I would I would get a burned CD. Yeah. <laughs> they recorded this one time. And <laughs> yeah. Here you go. <laughs> um, this is, like, when they were, like, 14. 14, they recorded this in their garage. They actually wrote a song. I think it was off of We Were Soldiers or We Are Soldiers, a Mel Gibson movie. 
We were yeah, we were soldiers. And they Kenny have, and Kenny Rogers tracked it, like recorded it. Wow. Yeah. So their their song is in that. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a great live band. You and I saw them live. That's the well, we saw them for the first two times. Live. Honestly, I think that's well. The second time is well. No, we saw them. We saw them in for Dallas the first time, right? No, we saw them in for U two in Chicago. Okay, the second time is one of my top three concerts of all time. Yeah, that was really fun. Yeah, it was. Uh, we drove to Dallas mm. and we sat in our car or my car that didn't lock. It was a rough part of town, and it was Deep Elm in, yeah. in Dallas or outside, and we didn't really have a lot of places to browse. <laughs> we went to. We got our picture taken with the drummer. Yeah. We walked up. We just walked up on their tour bus. Yeah. Just and, like, eh. And their dad took our picture. Yeah. We talked to their dad for a good three minutes, probably. Leon. Um, I have uh, video of it. Yeah. Still. Of the band coming in and out of the bus and you talking about it. Yeah. I've shown that to you. Uh, I can't remember. I remember us standing, uh, standing there and they were playing the mandolin and it ended up like they were writing and recording their third album, and it was um, The Runner. They have a mandolin, and that's what they were working on. It's crazy. It's really weird. Yeah. Um, but we had Front Row, too. Yeah. Like, And, I mean, there were right really against the rail. probably like 300 people there, maybe. Yeah. I it was think, small. I don't even think there were that many. It was – and the tickets were like 16 bucks. Yeah, that was good. But I remember going around with my Sony Ericsson phone, and <laughs> I had the, ring, the ringtone to – uh, Cowgirl King of the Rodeo, let the good times roll, let the good times roll. And I would just listen to it over and over, like, because I didn't have the song with me. I just listened to that. And my brother and all his friends were like, turn that crap off. So fast forward. That's great. To years later, and they have, you know, Sex on Fire and You Somebody. And all his friends were like, hey, can you burn me a CD? I was like, yeah, but it won't have Sex on Fire or Use Somebody on it. And they're like, no, 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 man. It's got to have that. You can put it, you can put whatever else on it. And I was like, those are the most overplayed songs. Oh, man. Ever. And, and I, I buy them. I yeah. still buy it. Yeah. Um, they're a band that I will forever love and forever have uh, a time with. I guess you could say, like, that was huge for me. And I can't tell you how many times I've listened to their stuff no, I'll, or that album. Till the day I die, I'll always associate Kings of Leon yeah. with you. I mean, honestly, because that's all he talked about. Yeah. <laughs> For a good five, six years. Yeah. And now I have another band that I always talk about. Yeah. Now we're here. So, so. but. Um, how many I, times did you see them in concert, Kings of Leon? Double digits. Was it really? Yeah. Gosh. Like the last time I saw him was a couple years ago with Jack. Jacqueline, my wife, mm-hmm. and it was, I can't remember which tour it was for, but maybe Mechanical Bull, which mm-hmm. was an awful album. And and that's the thing, like, I love them, and I'll always buy, like I said, I'll always buy their albums, I'll always buy the deluxe and blah, 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 but, like, their music just doesn't really do it for me anymore. Has it become overproduced? It I would just, imagine that has something to do with it. It just become like... It seems like they're always trying to chase that Use Somebody song. Now it sounds like Soccer Mom music. Well, they kind of got... Not the band Soccer Mom, because there is a band called Soccer Mom. They got a taste of having that hit single, and now that's kind of what they're chasing after. I mean, and and it's okay. Like, 
their new album Walls, we are like love songs is what it stands for. Mm. Um, but it's, it's good. There's, they have great tracks on it, but it's just like, man, just do LSD. And, 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 and <laughs> I, oh, I remember you talking about this one time. Like you kind of wish they got back on drugs. Yeah. Or the heavier <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Just for just for a couple just couple of records. Man. There's there's a lot of bands like that. You know, I'm sure that they did some of their best work when they were oh absolutely falling out of their over. Mind. Yeah, yeah, I mean, majority of '80s bands, I'm sure. Um, I just I love I love their stuff. Their first three albums are untouchable. Like they're so good. You think you Young Manhood, Aha Shake Heartbreak, and because of the times, because of the times, which because of the times is their best album. Yeah, but. This is my favorite. Well, this is this is the one that you kicked got into it off. For me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of tracks off of it, uh, besides the whole album. Um, <laughs> so, what you say the whole album? Yeah, <laughs> Taper Jean Girl, The Bucket, Milk, Soft, uh, Raz the Kids, really good. Raz Four Kicks, and it's it's to a point where Four Kicks my, was probably my favorite. Yeah, that's a great video too. Uh, King of the Rodeo, I like that one too. Oh man, yeah. Taper Jean Girl, King of the Rodeo. Yeah. Like I said, the whole record. Um, but they have one song uh, called "Day Old Blues," <laughs> which and you're going to get sued any day now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. So, anyways, in the record or on that song, he says something along the lines of, uh, "At least there's a record that I love to play. Dream about a place I'll never." see or never be i haven't listened to it or read it in a while but anyways um and that when i was kicking around ideas for a record store my buddy's like man what about you know i, I mentioned dale blues and we're thinking of other stuff and he's like man, dale blues records sound just really solid i yeah. was like all right so i named my record store dale blues and it's not even my favorite song what was your second choice man i can't <laughs> even remember <laughs> yeah there's a guy named Jesse that I was going to, um, me and him thought about doing it, uh, the record store together, and it was going to be Jesse James Records. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's so, cool. That is my final pick, and I will have to go and listen to that again. I'd be really disappointed if that was not in your list. I, I was looking at my list, and there's so many that we didn't even mention that we'll probably mention in a second. After we'll do some honorable done. mentions. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, but Kings of Leon was, had to be number one. Yeah. Because that was. It's your band. Yeah, U two is my you know the band that I associate with the most, and that's your band. So now it's Lord of Huron. People will text me like, "Hey, did you hear Lord Huron's blah blah?" I'm like, "Yeah, I knew about that." I started the fan club. I started the fan club, dude. <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> two thousand. Yeah, this movie sucks. Um, okay, it my did. final, my final pick, my final pick. Yeah, uh, this is the the newest album um, that's come out. And my final pick. Okay. It is My Love is Cool by Wolf Uh, randomly came across the band um, while browsing Spotify. Spotify is such an amazing Man. tool nowadays. It's a rabbit hole. Yes. I've come across probably 15 bands mm-hmm. that I now love. Yeah. Thanks to Spotify. Spotify. 
Give me a free subscription. Um, People can listen to this podcast on Spotify. Yes. We're basically part of the family. <laughs> I should this stuff. Yeah. Um, they have such a range of diversity in this opening album or their, their debut album, especially uh, from raw grunge to moody pop songs. Um, it emits more confidence in who they are than most established bands on their third and fourth albums. Mm-hmm. You would never think that this is their first album ever. If you listen to this thing, I mean, they're so um, solid in all of their tracks and just, just the confidence in that each track is so good. I mean, each one could have been a radio hit. I mean, a radio single, especially overseas. Um, I can't really see it being a hit here, but. What, um, they have two records. Yeah, their one new one came out, um, maybe last year. A few months ago, maybe early, late last year. I can't remember. It's great. It's really good. Yeah. It's definitely a grungier sound. Yeah. Um, but. Do you have it on vinyl? I mean no. the the old one, the one that you like. No, I don't. I don't have physical copy of. I don't really have physical copies of any albums anymore, except the <laughs> the ones in my CD thing there. Okay. Yeah, but um, one of my favorite tracks, one of the first tracks I heard was called uh, "Moaning Lisa Smile," and that was kind of my introduction to them. Yeah. And it's one of the tracks that they kind of ended up kicking off most of their live gigs with which works so well because it just, you know, it starts off 90 miles an hour and kind of never stops. Oh. Um, it has it to throws you in there. <laughs> yeah, well, it has like a really cool like 40-second intro, which mm-hmm. they also do that on their second album. I love it when albums are set up like live concerts. Yeah. Um, some albums, most albums do, I guess. Yeah. But a lot don't in that it has like an intro track, you know, and mm-hmm. it's just, just music and or just guitar. Um, then gradually, you know, fades into their opening opening song. I, lo- I love when people do that. They yeah. just build a record. Like yeah, that. I've always been a big like um like I've I've YouTube this a lot where I type in top concert intros. Mm-hmm. Basically, what's happening before the band takes the stage? Yeah, I always love that, and some bands do it so incredibly well. Mm-hmm. You know, and just builds up the tension and stuff. But, um. One of the funniest things about the band to me when I first started listening to them is that, you know, I would have never thought listening to some of these songs that the lead singer was a little five foot six, (laughs) you know, uh, Ellie Roswell, which is the lead singer who is about the size of her guitar. Sometimes it looks like, I mean, she's literally holding it like it's a bazooka. Um, But she has more energy and power. Yeah. Than most bands, you know, with, you know, male lead singers that are twice her size. Her voice, which she has a beautiful voice. Mm-hmm. She could actually sing. I mean, that's one of the things. She's an actual singer who can actually carry a tune. But it, it's just a great representation of the band. Because it's a perfect match of just kind of that, that grungy sound along with her voice, which is beautiful. And I'm just a huge fan of it. And they had such a great debut album, There's not There's not a weak point in it. I, I mean, I think if you're looking for a perfect grunge rock pop album you cannot go wrong with this by any stretch of the imagination we sold a good number of those did you yeah the fact that it mixes so many genres is really cool i always like it when that happens because i mean a lot of bands come out you know with their second third album and it feels like you're listening to like video game term but like downloadable content basically yeah (laughs) you're just listening to okay that those are obviously just deleted tracks off the debut album yeah so 
I, I just like that they always have a very particular sound, but a fresh sound. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't listened to their second album yet, but their first album was played at the shop. Really great live. Their glass, mm-hmm. They have a, a Glastonbury gig that they did three or four years ago that's so, so good. Cool. But, um, yeah, My Love is Cool. Couldn't recommend it anymore. Uh-huh. Huge fan. And I think we're done. Yeah. Uh, do <laughs> you have some honorable list. mentions? Uh, I do. I do. Um, this was hard to do. I mean, come up with five albums. Man. I have countless songs off of albums I love. Yeah. But I was trying to pick albums top to bottom. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, Coldplay with uh, Parachutes, which was mm-hmm. their debut album. Mm-hmm. As a yellow and it's just sparks, sparks, green eyes, yeah, just just a great, great album. Mm-hmm. Um, Ceremonials by Florence and the Machine, which I think that's probably her best. It's so so good. Adam Hester just saw her. Yeah, uh, I, saw, I saw that. I saw it. So it was I'm phenomenal. Jealous of that. Yeah. Uh, the Yeah Yeah Yeahs, Fever to Tell. Mm. Very wacky album. Very but man, I love it. It's Maps so is phenomenal. Good. She has a single record now. She has a couple, I think. Yeah, she's really good. Like she did the soundtrack for uh, "Where the Wild Things Are." Yeah, yeah. I have it at the shop. Oh, really? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, Block Party, Silent Alarm. Mm-hmm. Adam British Van. Cl- Adam Clayton from U2 was a huge fan of theirs, and that's yeah. how I heard of them. Uh, the War on Drugs, Lost in the Dream, is mm. so good, man. It's one of those that was like, how did I miss this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because it was only the past year that I really started listening to them. And uh, Muse, Black Holes, and Revelations. So, those are my honorable mentions. Did you have any? Or? Um, the Darkness. Mm-hmm. Permission to Land. That's a great record. Friday, I'm in Love. Or Friday Night, that's the track, sorry. Friday Night. That was their debut one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And their B-sides are so freaking strong, it's ridiculous. Uh... That the killers, Battleborn, any killers, honestly, Wilco, I like Sky Blue Sky, that's a good one. My Morning Jacket, mm-hmm. I can't decide between Z or Evil Urges, but both of those really good. The Strokes, yeah, with Is This It, um, and any Ryan Adams. Uh, I'm shocked Ryan Adams didn't make it. Man, I almost put Ryan Adams in there, but like I said, like I can't pick one. They're so good. <laughs> They're all of them are like really good. Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, Californication. I mentioned that, and they even can't stop. Or uh, no, by the way, that's the title track. Mm-hmm. But um, man, just to think, like that was 1998, 1999. 98 was kind of a weird time for music i think it kind of was a uh kind of turning the page into a new era of sound of you know i mean it produced a lot of crap too but i mean (laughs) but that was when you know it it seems like with the invention of um like trl and stuff like that music was being pushed out even more which typically trl was crap but jesse camp I don't know. MTV kind of became a bigger um, force. Yeah, kind of a bigger force at that time, and um, yeah, it was still hard to find new music, though. Yeah, it. I mean, it's easy now because all you have to do is just. I mean, I use Spotify. You use it, but they build like little, like fifteen track, 
playlist for you off of the stuff you've been listening to. Yeah, mine's messed up. Mine still plays like just instrumental stuff. And I'm like, I don't know where you're getting this from. But. We we clicked on it and it was like a 15, 20, 20 uh, track playlist. And then it was over. And then like you just scroll down or, you know, reload, I guess you could say. Yeah. And then like 50 more songs will pop up mm. on that same playlist. And it's like, man. Oh I my. found tons of bands that way though. Yeah. I, there, there's another band I want to mention um, called Hearts, but it's not the old the 80s hearts yeah it's spelled h-a-e-r-t-s um so good their debut album was so great um it's a female lead singer and they sound a lot like um gosh i feel so dumb for blanking out sometimes i'm really tired today what what's the female singer she's a witch like literally stevie nicks yeah sounds a lot like stevie nicks fleetwood mac stuff yeah, yeah fleetwood mac but yeah mm-hmm. hearts worth checking out all right. Just spell it wrong and you'll find them. All right. I, I always spell <laughs> stuff wrong, so I'll, I'll be hey, good. Perfect. Um, so that – I think that's we'll the show. Swap. No, we'll swap. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. I, pick one from each. I am definitely going to take you two all that you can't leave behind. Okay. Because that's just phenomenal. And I would like Beautiful Day to be played at my funeral. <laughs> I know that's sad, but I'm, I'm I mean, gonna, weird. I'm going to take um, Aha Shake Heartbreak because you introduced, I remember when you started listening to him, I remember I was into him. Yeah. Um, we saw him open for you too. We saw him debellum. Mm-hmm. And it really was a great, great album. What What was the, this is kind of off topic in a way, but what was the documentary that they had? They had some type of video documentary that you showed me and it was, they went over to one of their relatives houses and were there's Talahina sky okay maybe that was <laughs> or no just Talahina. okay something, it was something like that we watched i just thought of that when you were listening uh, yeah Talahina is a little town in oklahoma which some of their family is from yeah and they have like a little campsite okay that's it that's it. and they would play like horseshoes and play yeah. in the river and or creek it was and, interesting yeah that whole <laughs> Their whole background is really interesting, and I used to know just about everything about them. Yeah, and it's just kind of slipped. Yeah, through the years, but uh, yeah, I'll I'll probably listen today. I'm going to listen to Damien Rice O. Okay, I'm going to listen to Kings of Leon Aha Shake Heartbreak, and I will listen to uh, Neon Bible. Watch that live version I told I talked about with Damien Rice. Okay, yeah, it's so good. All right, but um, yeah, I think that's our episode. We have. Our 20th coming up. Yes. 20th anniversary. Yay! What's, <laughs> what? Kermit's here. And, uh, yay! What? Fuzzy! <laughs> your Muppets sound the same. But oh, that was Kermit saying Fozzie. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But 20th episode's coming up next week. We're excited about that. We have a big show. Can I do my Miss Piggy voice? Please. Kermit. St. <laughs> Kermit. <laughs> What if you, like, before you met Jacqueline, what if you came across the most beautiful girl ever, but she talked like that? Would that be a deal breaker? Do I know that Jacqueline's waiting? Like, do I know? No, this is before you ever knew Jacqueline. I would would probably not uh, (laughs) go with the girl that sounded like Miss Piggy. (laughs) Okay. Well, we solved that. But... Yeah, next week, 20th, we have a Thanksgiving special coming up. Yes. That's going to launch on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, and you have a special guest with you. Yeah, my brother-in-law, Jeff, is going to join me on that one. Gilcrease isn't able to make that one, but we have a uh, 
a really fun topic. We're going to do a planes, trains, and automobiles tribute episode. Whoosh. <laughs> Wait, are you trying to think of a train? Yeah. Chugga, chugga, chugga. Honk, honk. <laughs> Chugga, 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 chugga. That'll be the whole episode. Yeah. yeah. Just me in the background. The I'm ultimate Thanksgiving here. film. We're going to do a tribute to it. Uh, my brother-in-law, Jeff, and I are massive, massive fans of the film. So I think it'll be fun. And uh, yeah. Let's, uh, episode 20 yeah. is we got a little special stuff, too. Yeah. We've been talking about episode 24 like a long time, actually, what we're going to do for it. So uh, I think it'll be fun. <laughs> and... um. Talk about um, let's plug the uh, DC Squadcast. You just did. Well, I didn't know if you were going to have like a spiel or something. My buddy Chris Rimmer <laughs> runs a podcast called DC Squadcast, and yes. it's DC superhero villains, and it's really cool. They do a great job over there, and he's nice enough to to plug us every once in a while, and we want to return the favor and really cool stuff. So, so check them out if you like superheroes and villains, <laughs> which I do. Yeah, I do too. So. It's a it's a great podcast actually. I, I really like a lot of the stuff they do. They um believe they have a Patreon account that you get a uh, you know special knickknacks. Special knickknacks. That's all it says. Five bucks knickknacks. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. I am Brent, and I'm Rex, and thank you, Dove. For calling in. That was something special. Dove, thank you for calling in. I mean, we're we're a little concerned, but we're, we're glad you made it there safe. Seems like he's got uh, everything under control. Yeah. He's a bouncer at a strip club. Uh, sorry, cabaret. Yeah, come on, man. Golly. Yeah. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. of time.
Hey, Miles. This is uh, this is Brent, my our co-host. <laughs> hey, Miles, how's it going, man? I'm good. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Last Jedi was terrible, but go ahead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He told me that, and I was like, "Yeah, we'll talk about that." Real, real quick. <laughs> I bought pop off of you. You did, yeah. It went to him. Yeah, yeah. You told me that. Yeah, yeah. You told me it was going to uh, the, the guy, guy of... marrying you. Yeah. yeah. So yes. take kind of a. Oh, Ooh. slipped it up some? By one year. And missed the 1998 cutoff by one year. Yeah, yeah. He's a big YouTube fan, so. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, well, we have that in common, for sure. Well, uh, I'll introduce you, and then you can you can talk about some records for a second. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, so, we have our second caller of the day. We're popular today. I know. It's, it's really weird. It's kind of weird that people know that we're on the air. Nah. Text messages. <laughs> Especially with this one. Um, this is Miles. He officiated our wedding. He's uh, lead singer of the Critics, the best band in Shreveport. Hey. I, I think so. But uh, hey. big music guy. Uh, take it away, Miles. Let's talk music. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, so, so we're talking. So you want me to try to nail this down to, to the top five albums of the last 20 years? Yeah. From 98 to 2018, your opinion of. <clears throat> Okay. Um, <laughs> that's very difficult for me to do, but, but, I, but the conversation for me starts in 98 with uh, two albums by the ladies, uh, Cheryl Crow's Globe Sessions and Lauren Hill's um, Miseducation of Lauren Hill. I loved both of those albums, and, if, and I think one of them probably has to be in my top five, and I'm not sure which one is, is in and which one is out. But uh, I loved both of those. I would put Lauren Hill in. No sure. Yeah, I think that's probably the more influential album. Uh, although uh, studio people, engineers, rave about how well Cheryl Crow's album was done. Uh, I mean, I think the songs are great, and she's great, and everything else. But that album just sounds so good. Well. And, uh, when I was looking at list, I always saw Lauren Hill pop up with Miseduc- Miseducation of Lauren Hill. And I was like, man, what has she been doing lately? Mm-hmm. She just yeah, kinda, she kind of she kind of laid back. Yeah. After that. Yeah. Disappeared. Um, there's a bunch of albums in here. Uh, you know what's underrated is <laughs> the greatest hits of Chris Gaines. Do not sleep on that. <laughs> I am not kidding. That album is All right. awesome. Cut it. <laughs> no, no, dude. dude. The, the songwriters on that album were great. The songs are great. This is it's like a joke, but that album is good. Trust this me. This is up there with Critic. the Dove saying that George Clooney was the best Batman. <laughs> uh, I love the uh, I love Sarah McLaughlin's out live album Mirrorball. I got it. Yeah, yeah, love that album. Um, Let's see. I can't. I can't go through all of these. Let's take all day. Um, Did you take notes? Oh man, extensive notes. Extensive notes. Um, <laughs> I mean, then you have then you have the coming of Ron Adams, and what are you going to do with him? Uh, <laughs> one of he's one of my favorites. Um, seems like one of his albums belongs, but I can't possibly pick one of them. Uh, I was Heart, Heart, Heartbreakers on the list. Um, Easy Tiger is on the list. Yeah, uh, three and four is on the list. Um, I, I I had a hard time picking a Ryan Adams record 
as well, so I didn't pick one. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of. I think that's what happened. It's kind of shocking. But I, um, if if I picked one, I loved um, Easy Tiger, Cold Roses. I knew Cold Roses was one of your favorites. And uh, Jacksonville City Nights is a great one. Oh yes, 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 indeed. And there was another one. Oh, Love Is Hell. Yeah. Okay. When, um, when the guys from Oasis, or one of the guys, one of the brothers from Oasis, says in an interview something about the interview guy uh, said, hey, what's the song that you don't like playing anymore? And he says, I don't like playing Wonderwall because we never, we either play it too fast or too slow. The only person to ever play it right was Ron Adams. (laughs) That's a great compliment. Those, honestly, those two guys, Noel and Ron Adams, remind me of each other. Just just how good of songwriters they are. They, uh, they remind me of each other a lot. Both of them. In fact, uh, the, the post-1998 Oasis uh, iteration, especially when Ringo Starr's son was on drums, mm-hmm. those are a couple of good albums. Their last album together was not good. Like Heat, Heathen Chemistry and stuff like that? Yeah, Heathen yeah. Chemistry is okay, but the next one, uh, Sonic Don't, something. Believe, Don't Believe the Truth, oh, okay. is, is, is my jam. We, the critics play a song from that album just about every time we play. Mm. Mm. The Importance of Being Idle, which is one of those songs and old scenes. Nothing in the bushes. I'm a I'm a through the roof Oasis fan, man. So <laughs> anyway, uh, then here comes Coldplay. What do you do with them? Uh, love almost all of their albums. There's only a couple I don't really like, and uh, and the ones I do like, I listen front to back, yeah, over and over and over again. Um, I stopped listening around Col- uh, a Rush of Blood to the Head. Yeah, see that? You weren't a speed of sound. What's that? You weren't a. That's their second album. You like the you like the speed of sound. I remember that. You know what? I did listen to X and Y, and it was it was okay. No, X and Y is is bad, in my opinion. X and Y is their first misstep, but then they straightened up. Their last album to me is not good, but I but I love them otherwise. What's the uh the Viva La something? Viva La Vida. Yeah, 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 that's a good one. It is. Yes, it is. For a second there, it was like every other month they had a new record out. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, not as often as your boy Ryan Adams. No, which is, no. Which is literally every month. Yeah. One year yeah. he put out three records, and, and one of them was a double album. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so uh, I love Franz Ferdinand. They, uh, I've listened to several yeah. of their records over and over again. about that. Uh, same with Arcade Fire. Um, yeah. In, yeah, in, in fact... I would, I think Suburbs would have to be in my top five. Suburbs uh, is a fantastic record. I, I would I'd put, agree with that. I would put Neon Bible. Yeah. See, the the thing that I dislike about, it's, it's not actually about the band themselves, but about sort of the Arcade Fire thing is it's almost like they people started liking them less when they won the Grammy for Album of the Year for Suburbs. It's like we prefer them to be this underground band that, you know, it's the typical band you know, in your pocket. I like this, yeah, I like this band, and I'm cool because nobody else likes them. Yeah, and then I mean, when, that's when always, they get recognized, it's always obnoxious when that happens. I mean, I think Arcade Fire kind of broke out of that after Funeral because I mean, Neon Bible was pretty. I mean, I'm not gonna say it was overproduced, but I mean, it was much yeah. bigger quality than their first album. It was so shinier. I mean, yeah, they are they were already kind of heading in that direction, but um, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. I mean, to, that was one of the best Grammys ever. I mean, especially that they played, you know, the show out. I agree. I, I was so happy that night when they won. I think, I think, yeah, I think you're over at the yeah, that's house. Right. And I day. actually do think that's their best record. I, I, some people don't think that, but I do. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with sorry. that. No. So I, I'm gonna put that in my top five, along along with uh, <laughs> along with um, either Lauren Hero or, or Cheryl, Cheryl Crow. Either one of those two, you, you can take your pick. Okay, here comes another one. Killers. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the so. The first four, the last Killers album doesn't count because it's not even the Killers. It's like half of them. This, this one, the, the first four Killers albums are all good. Mm-hmm. They're all they're all very good. It's almost impossible for me to pick one of the four as my favorite. I've probably listened to all of them equally. I can but help I'm gonna you say out. That, I'll say the first one because it's the most influential and, and everything else. His, um... Which one? His, Which one were you going to say? His single record was really good too. His singles were oh, awesome. Oh my goodness, both of them, both yeah. of them, uh, both both Flamingo and the Desired Effect are great. Mm-hmm. I listened to Desired Effect yesterday. I for the Killers, I would put Battleborn. Okay. Mainly yeah. because that is a straight up <laughs> Bruce Springsteen album. It's great. It's great. All four of them are great. Yeah, I saw him on the Day and Age tour, and Ooh. that that album's my, you know, was my favorite for a while until I go and listen to the, another one, and I go, wait a minute, this is my favorite. Yeah, so, same with Ron Adams. <laughs> yeah, um, that same year, I think, uh, is my favorite U two album in this era, uh, How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb. That's my that's my favorite of theirs in in this twenty year window. Oh, in the twenty year, okay. Yeah. I'm not you men of all time. No, no. I was no, about no. to say, <laughs> let's talk, let's no. talk about some Octung Baby here. Come on. Yeah, that's, it's that or Joshua Tree for sure. That, yeah. I mean. Yeah. Unforgettable Fire is underrated. I love Unforgettable Fire. I love you too, so there's not going to be too many real, problems real, I have in there. Real quick, you would take How to Dismantle over All That You Can't Leave Behind? I would. I, I, I like, uh, I just like the songs better and I like how it sounds better. Yeah, some of the some of the sounds on uh, all that you can't leave behind were a little I don't know, but I, but I love it. But the but I just like Atomic Bomb better. Well, how does Mandel's kind of a a heavier, more of a guitar driven album? Yeah, uh, that's right. It was that's thicker. Right. Yeah, thick. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe a little less produced. It was I mean, curvier. Lanois did all that you can't leave behind, and and it sounds you know unique and cool but i thought maybe they were trying a little too hard with the sounds songs are good yeah that's that's my only gripe. bad sounds bad sounds uh, <laughs> uh let's see okay um i'm gonna okay i'm gonna skip to one of the albums that's gonna be in my top five which is which is kind of weird but i mean you got a bunch of radio heads here you got all, all kind of stuff that we're, we're skipping um <laughs> M83, man. Yes. But I, I can't really pick one of their albums That's either. Uh, okay. In this era, um, Tears for Fears did an album. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm not kidding you. The like Our whole band, um, we all think this is one of the best albums we've ever heard. I'll uh, have to look into this. What year did it come out? 
it came out in um, hold on what's happening with my computer it came out in uh, 2004 it's called uh, Everybody Loves a Happy Ending and it's very do you remember it's it's very Beatles-esque okay um, on purpose uh, you know there, there are some songs where they they're actually alluding to various Beatles songs okay but every single song is I mean we just cannot, cannot stop listening to it I'll have to listen so to this good. one yes please look that up that's that's no doubt in my top five okay what about Maybe. no doubt <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like no doubt. Okay, another one maybe in my top five. Uh, the Roots and John Legend did an album together, together called Wake Up, and it's uh, it's great. I've listened to that. Was that like two thousand ten? That was two thousand ten. Yeah, sure mm. was. All right. Um, Savage Garden. Savage Garden. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, don't 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 crack on Savage Garden too oh, much. Though. Oh dear, <laughs> you got okay. You... Hold on, Foo Fighters. What am I what am I saying? Okay, I love the Foo Fighters, and probably the album in this era that is my favorite is um, what is it? There's uh, nothing left to lose. Is that one of theirs? Nothing left to lose was the one that was learning to fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Breakout generator, all of those. That yeah. that am I all the way to MIA at the end? That is probably my favorite Foo Fighters album. Which album is Everlong on? That that was before ninety eight. That right? was the that color was and shape. Was, that's right. That was that was right. I think it was like ninety seven. Ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah, I remember buying uh, that Foo Fighters record, uh, the one Brent's talking about, the color and shape, uh, uh-huh. at Walmart on CD. Dude, that before was... I went on my eighth grade uh, end of the year field trip. <laughs> Blasting Everlong uh, while going to Cyport. Yeah, monkey wrench. Uh, but one of my favorite things is um, <laughs> you're I, laying on the bed of Nels. Um, they had on that nothing left to lose. It had I'll be coming home next year. Yes, and that was the Which, theme song for yes, like a couple of seasons Ed. of Ed. Ed, don't sleep on Ed, dude. But uh, yes. yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't right pick a Foo Fighters record. That was a good one. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm uh, fast forwarding, fast forwarding through my list here. How many How um, many did you write down? Just ballpark it. <laughs> ballpark Frank. Uh, prob- probably like fifty, seventy five, something like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, okay, let's let's get closer to the. All right, here's here's one. That's definitely in my top five. This could be a bonus episode. Yeah, Foster go for the it. Foster the People's first album is great. The Sorry. the one about Columbine? Who are you hitting? That's that's that song. They wrote that song and it came out, and then, then it was a success. And so they said, "Oh no, we need an album." And so they wrote an album around that song, mm-hmm. and it is it is one of the best albums of the last twenty years for sure. Okay, every song. So you were putting we're, so far in your top five. You have Lauren Hill or Cheryl uh, yeah. Crow. You have Foster the People, uh-huh. and you have Tears for Fears. Tears for Fears. <laughs> yes. And you have yes. a you have a Killers record or a Arcade Fire record. Oh man, that's five, isn't it? Okay, so yeah. so uh, yeah, yeah, we'll do the first Killers album and Suburbs. But let me 
let me make a few other caveats here. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with that. If that's my top five, I'll live with it. Okay. Um, uh, but some other ones, uh, Wincing the Night Away by the Shins is awesome. Yeah. Uh, I like O Inverted terrible, World. And I don't know what happened, but, um, all right, let's fast forward to more recently. Uh, love Chavez Gambino's album. Uh, actually, your girl, your girl Taylor Swift's first not country acoustic album, Fearless, was good. Was no, 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 no. Eighty <laughs> nine. The one with the one with uh, Shake It Off on it. Nineteen eighty nine. Yes. Come no, on, dude. You need that to listen. That's awesome. You need to listen to Red. I know about Red. 1989 is great. What album did he say? And, and I thought it was great before, even before Ron Adams did it. And it's, it's great. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, I loved, uh, Jay-Z's Unplugged, MTV Unplugged. I love mm-hmm. some other stuff. Well, but, uh, yeah. uh, last two albums I'll say, and I'll shut up. Harry Styles' first album. No, you're good. This, is, this, is, this is, We're turning is this excellent. into a bonus episode. <laughs> we're, it's excellent. Dead serious. I like that and, one. Yes. And, uh, oh, I need to mention, uh, War on Drugs, too. Yeah. Um, so good. I didn't get into them yes. until recently, actually, which, yeah. I was disappointed that I hadn't heard of them until then. Yeah. And then, um, probably belongs in the top five, to be honest, is, uh, 24 Karat Magic Bruno Mars. <laughs> Every song is a banger. <laughs> it's <laughs> a banger. It's a uh, PG <laughs> show. Awesome. <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, so uh, I think I think that's uh, that's that's enough. Mm. Um, What's the worst album from the past twenty years in your opinion? <laughs> uh, oh man, I don't know. I, uh, it's definitely not anything by Tenacious D. <laughs> Uh, love the love the love the day. Don't say it. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Oh, oh boy. Uh, well, look. Put that I, on. I, J, I J, J, B, and K G. Who? Oh yeah. Um, That's their initials. Man, the last twenty years, there was a record that I was excited about, and it just fell flat. And I can't Which remember one? what it is, but there was one record. There's one record you have in your um, CD case right there that I found. I can't think of their name though. It was, it was the band that we were into, and then we saw them perform live. It was just trash. Oh, you saw them on TV perform live. Ashley Simpson? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I totally didn't mention uh, Jack White. It, yeah, I, I would. I would put, uh, get behind me, Satan. I, I think the two Racking Tours albums are my favorite that of anything he's been involved Bravery. with. The Bravery, yeah, that was trash. Yeah. Um, but look. Also, also, I love uh, Bob Dylan's Modern Times. Yeah, that's a good one. Let me it. ask you something real quick. You didn't put a Counting Crows record in there because... I'm, yes, I did. But that <laughs> but doesn't you, mean that... You could, I, the reason I didn't is because their, their two best albums came out before this era, but, but, the, but the next two... Desert uh, Life uh, and Hard Candy. Yes, ran them into the ground. I love both of them, especially yeah. Hard Candy. I like Hard Candy a little better. Do you do you uh, cover uh, Miami? We don't. You should. We don't. You too. No. Daniel Daniel actually yeah, not that one. Daniel <laughs> actually doesn't like Counting Crows that much. I don't think he likes uh, Dirt's voice, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's hard to kind of get a Counting Crows song past the, um, the electorate. 
Yeah. But uh, y'all y'all should y'all should look off of uh look into uh hard candy and maybe play a track off of that next time yeah. y'all are out there. You don't have to you don't have to convince me. Uh I would say just like you mentioned all that you can't leave behind being a renaissance record or a rebirth for you two. I think um California Cation by the Red Hot Chili Peppers is probably their re- rebirth album. Yeah, that's a great album. Break. 99 yeah. was really great for music, but... Um, okay. Hey, time out. Time out, time out, time out. I forgot one. Forgot oh, one. I thought something <laughs> this, this is a giant mistake. Okay, I'm going to tell a quick story, and then I need to get off the phone. All right. It was probably... You might have to look this up, but when, when did John Mayer's first album come out? Oh, that was like 99, like uh, Room okay. for Squares. Yeah, it's in the window. It's, a, it's in the window, I think. Yeah it's in our time period okay so that album comes out and I, and I was in college at that time and I remember seeing the video like on you know MTV or whatever yeah which what, Your Body is a Wonderland I think was the song yes and then I and I saw him performing live and I went this guy is a clown <laughs> like, I, I just I, I, I could not stand him you know the weird faces he makes and he plays yeah bird faces like, I, I can't I can't handle this guy that, that was my only thought and I thought but Your Body is a Wonderland was a idiotic and I just hated it mm-hmm. and so I was like no I'm out meanwhile I don't think it was meant the, for the male demographic but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my bandmates all of them Greg Daniel and Sean were all like no dude you might want to listen to that album the 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 guy can write a song they were talking you know the chord changes everything else they were just kind of like nah <laughs> no, this is good. Then his next album comes out, and they're the same way. And I'm just like, no, I can't. I can't even watch it. I can't look at it. <laughs> and so then, then his then uh, Heartbreak Warfare comes out. Yes. And I have a friend that I went to college with. What year was that? That was uh, 80s. 2009. Oh. 2009. <laughs> <laughs> 2009. Heartbreak Warfare comes out, and my friend Kenny from Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. Kenny. Who had who had also been trying to get me into John Mayer, but I was just like, I'm no, I'm, I'm out. I can't, I can't do it. He buys the CD, Heartbreak Warfare. Buys the compact disc. If you remember what those are, kids. He puts it in a he puts it in an envelope and mails it to me. Yeah. And and uh, so I open the envelope and there's a note in it. It says, Miles, put this in your the CD player in your car and listen to it. And so I did, and. It's one of the best albums the last 20 years. It is. Heartbreak Warfare is just great. It's one of my it's one of my all time favorite albums. Yeah. Um, and and I've I've come around on uh, John Mayer is still difficult to watch play, but he is extremely talented. I love the yeah, I love all the stuff he's done since then. Even his new stuff, those couple of LPs that came out. He's done I mean, Katy Perry. Came out. They're good. They're really good. <laughs> he said he's done Katy Perry. <laughs> But dude, I love that song. <laughs> um, oh, come on now, that dude is good. He never released it. But uh, I will say that, man, it was something about John Mayer. He came out like late, late, uh, like 2009 and stuff like that. Maybe, maybe it was recently. But um, he came out with like a stretch of almost like just kind of westerny yes. song records, and it was, they were solid. But I, I, I want to say that uh, they're really good, 
and his duet with Taylor Swift off of uh, Half of My Heart. Uh-huh. That's a great track, too. But Yes. Anyways, um, well, thank you for joining us, Miles. No problem. So, so like nine records in my top five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a little bonus, a little bonus action. You yeah. got, you got hidden tracks. That's what we like to call them. Yeah, you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna be our bonus episode. Well, uh, I would put, <laughs> I would put Jolly Napier in there, but that's just me. <laughs> Maybe. Oh yeah, okay. That that, that is in the window. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that might be before. No, no, we're we're right no, there. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that in there. Uh, but, but you go ahead. All right. Well, uh, thanks for thanks, joining man. us, and we'll have you back on to do the Star Wars debate with with Brent here. Yes, and also we need to discuss uh, discuss another program that uh, you and I have talked about. What's the oh, uh, Nice Guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brent's a Nice Guys fan. That's a that's a great film. Salt in theaters. Man, yeah. great, great movie. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, have a good day, and thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. Later. Late. Hey, fellas, it's Eric Willis coming at you with his five albums from the last 20 years. Uh, I don't know if this is my top five. Uh, but this is five albums. These are five albums I've enjoyed uh, immensely in the last 20 years. So we'll start uh, with The Color and the Shape by Foo Fighters. Uh, I'm cheating with that one because it was released in 97, but it was uh, won a Grammy in 98. Uh, that's got Everlong and, and songs like that. It's really good. Uh, Origin of Symmetry by Muse 2001, Newborn, and then has my favorite Muse song, which is Bliss. Uh, Rush of Blood to the Head by Coldplay in 02. Uh, that came along in a a really pivotal time, I think, because most music was crap then. Uh, and then a live album, there's a live at Luther College by Dave Matthews Band featuring Tim Reynolds. Uh, I think it was in 01. Uh, that's probably my favorite live album that I've ever had. And then uh, Hot Fuss by Killers in uh, 04. So I didn't get past 04. You guys are going to take the uh, take the reins from there. Bye!